Hey, you! Yes, you! You tied in the same old isekai with the same old protagonist in the same old middle-aged setting. Then do I have the anime recommendation for you? Just be warned, there may be strong language and adult content that's not suitable for younger audiences. Like seriously, as much as I enjoyed the warm circle curtain embrace of a succubus, and some of the new ones need some on-the-job experience, I have some dignity to maintain as a reviewer. <coughs> that being said, there will be spoilers for the entire first season of Kanosuba, as well as any other anime that may occur, so be very careful if you haven't watched it yet. And most importantly, any of the views and opinions expressed in tonight's episode are those of the individual adventurers, and not of the guild as a whole. I mean, personally, I'd rather worship the goddess Eris than trust Aqua, that Aqua's a bit of a troll, the goddess is blessing my... <coughs> with that being said, while I fall off into my own isekai of fairy story, along with best girl Hifumi, Enjoy this isekai review of Konosuba, God's blessing on this wonderful world. Oh dear God, if you're listening to my plea, I can't take this shit anymore! I just died a few weeks back, and I got magically revived in another world that's conveniently based off of one of my Japanese role-playing games, but even shittier. Everything sucks. Giant frogs suck. Being in debt sucks. Facing the undead sucks. Having zero money sucks. But you want to know what sucks even more? These party members of mine that I have on my quest. I got Jet, my stuck-up holier-than-thou archmage. Uh, I shall now cast Explosion. Noah, my fucking one-shot explosion maniac with, like, zero stamina. Dude, dude, dude. You see that, that bar play over there? I just want to explode it. Let me do it, please, please, let me. It deserves to explode. And Jamal, my horny, sadistic, masochist pervert of a knight. <laughs> Jamal, do you want to tell us something about yourself? <laughs> we, we don't uh, judge here. Only Aqua can judge. We don't judge. Anyways. I, I, I messed up for a second. I, I, I thought I was supposed to be begging me, not Aqua. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you did. I was like, okay, we're keeping that in. Don't worry about it. But regardless, <clears throat> this party is insane. But I guess for now, it will help me do what I need to do. And that is to cover and review the English dub of Konosuba, God's Blessing, on this wonderful world. No, 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 not good enough. No, we demanded our party for our gratification. You have to try to say the whole Japanese title. Oh, fuck. You know what? I'm gonna try it anyway. Do it, because... do it, asshole. Do it, you <laughs> track-suited asshole. Oh, God, this is gonna suck. Okay. Kono Subarashi Sekai ni Shukufu Wo. There, you fucking happy. 
We are very happy weeaboos. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, this is yet another entry into the light novel shows with super ass long titles that they conveniently shorten down for their general audiences. Surprisingly enough, this is actually one of like the first ones to really kick off the major light novel isekai craze. It literally came out like two days after Grimgar of Fantasy and Ash, funny enough. Like this was like right before that really became a major craze. This show's almost three years old now. That is true. It is over three years old. Yeah. If we're going by the first episode premiere, which was January 2016. And as of the third year anniversary, basically, Crunchyroll kind of out of the blue is like, hey guys, guess what? Uh, we're putting up a couple of foreign language dubs, a couple English dubs, and oh yeah, Kotosuba's got a dub. Uh, okay, thanks, bye. And we're like, wait, what? And we all got up from our explosion coma and we were like, fuck yes! Yep, uh, because uh, this show in particular was like a big mission for a while because we figured like it's going to be dubbed somewhere, but with the whole funny roll deal, people like it was a question. It was a question of what who was gonna dub it and like who was gonna be in it. Yeah, pretty much. Like it could have been Funimation. It could have been. It could have been in California. It could have even been in Canada. It could have been in Europe. It could have been in God forbid Miami. We had no idea. (laughs) It could have been all over, but the point is, now is the perfect time to talk about the English dub and our thoughts about it. But first, a quick synopsis for the show Konosuba. After dying a laughable and pathetic death on his way back from buying a game, high school student and recluse Kazuma Sato finds himself sitting before a beautiful but obnoxious goddess named Aqua. She provides the neat with two options. Continue on to heaven or reincarnate in every gamer's dream, a real fantasy world. Choosing to start a new life, Kazma is quickly tasked with defeating a demon king. Sorry, I should say the devil king who is terrorizing villages. But before he goes, he can choose one item of any choice to aid him in his quest. And the future hero selects Aqua. But Kazma has made a grave mistake. Aqua is completely useless. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. their troubles don't end here. It turns out that living in such a world is far different from how it plays out in a game. Instead of going on a thrilling adventure, the duo must find work to pay for their living expensive. Indeed, their misfortunes have only just begun. Yeah, so basically they've been reincarnated to Republican-era United States of America. Okay! Oh, no. Let's, let's not do this. Let's you, not. You, 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 you stop that. Of all the flavors, you choose to be salty. God. You can't see me, but I'm doing the little, like, flicking the salt onto the steak motion with my fingers right now. Also, a quick thing I want to mention. When I first heard about the show way back when, and I heard the, the, the synopsis was, he picked the goddess to go with him to the world. I thought it was originally because, oh man, this goddess is so pretty and I'm so in love with her that I want her to join me. But then when I actually watched the first episode, it's like, you're a bitch. You've been mocking me. Guess what? You're coming along with me. (laughs) Which I thought was a much funnier setup. Yep. A funnier setup so much as, um, kind of revealed Kazuma, the lead character's, um, uh, I'm going to use the term asshole a whole lot in this episode. Let's just get out of the right now. Asshole, assholes, assholes all around. Basically, <laughs> this show is the isekai version of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen that show, so... 
That is a, that is a comedy gold show where everybody's yeah. an asshole. Yeah, like I haven't seen it either, but I do understand that reference. So, anyways, I think it's about time we start sinking our teeth into this fantasy world and begin with discussing who our ADR director and scriptwriter for the English dub of Konosuba is. So, whether this is a Funimation, a Texas, or a Canadian dub, it is neither of those. This is a Bang Zoom California dub. And leading the helm of this project is the one and only Alex Von David. He is the director and scriptwriter for the show. He he is doing double duty. You may know him for such projects as Lucky Star, The Melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya, Sword Art Online, and Kill La Kill. Let's let's start off with uh, Jet, our our shill, our representative of California-based anime dubbing. Would you like to uh, give us our thoughts on the ADR director and scriptwriter and how it sounded? Okay. Um, uh, so Alex Von David is more or less my favorite of Bang Doom's uh, primary directors, and he's worked on a lot of my favorite dubs over the last couple of years. Uh, Direction-wise, this is uh, pretty much in line with what I expect from him, as a lot of the performances here sound pretty smooth, and, uh, while I can't say a lot of the characters sound, like, super distinctive from each other, I didn't have, like, too much trouble telling who was who, and, uh, everyone felt pretty well casted for whatever archetype they were supposed to be representing. Uh, given that he doesn't have, like, a ton of experience in directing comedies, I was a little curious how this would sound at that end, um, but for the most part, the comedic he- the comedic- Timing here is very solid, and the punchlines were delivered with enough high energy for me to more or less get whatever jokes they were trying to go for. Uh, script-wise, on the other hand, I'm a little shakier. Uh, as I said before, Alex Von David doesn't have like, a ton of experience with comedies, and uh, while he certainly knows where to punch up uh, dialogue where he needs to for, like, say, action shows, uh, comedy adaptions usually have to be pretty fast and loose in order to carry the same level of energy in English that they d- generally do in Japanese. And unfortunately, that was uh, kind of missing from the Dutchman for me for, like, the first few episodes. Uh, although Alex Von David doesn't, like, this is a current... Ah, blah. Uh, although Alex Von David doesn't really uh, shy away from adding a little extra flair to some of the jokes, uh, it felt a little too faithful at times to the Japanese track for a comedy. And while this isn't, you know, like, the type of show that's filled with a bunch of, like, Japanese-language pods that would be really hard to translate or something, uh, playing the material this straight made the made for a, like, slightly less fighter experience than I was hoping for. Uh, to Alex Von David's credit, I did feel the script got gradually funnier as the show progressed, and I was very well entertained for the entirety of the show, but those first two or three episodes didn't have, like, quite as much punch as I wanted in the comedy department. Uh, basically, uh, okay, basically I walked away from this feeling that this was a very good, this was a very good, uh, very good production, and but it was just a little bit shy of being perfect for me. And so, long story short, direction is really great. Script is very competent, but it would have probably been a much funnier dub if it was maybe a little bit more liberal and not done. Do you, so, have like a, do you have, like, an equivalent English dub that you would point to and said, this is how you do comedy really well? Uh, I, I don't want to say, like, I mean, I hesitate to say almost any co- Funimation comedy dub because those vary a lot. But, yeah, uh, <laughs> like like I'm just as my own personal. I'm thinking of something more like uh, Sergeant Frog, where the the script writing is super liberal and the comedy timing is impeccable. 
Uh, like I've only seen a, I've only maybe seen like a little bit of the Sergeant Frog dubs or that isn't like the one that would immediately come to mind for me. Okay. Uh, trying to think. Uh, one of my favorite Funimation comedy does would probably be Desert Pug, so I guess maybe that. Oh, th- oh going old school. <laughs> nice. All right. So, but basically from what I was trying to get at, it sounded like you thought it was a little safe at the start, but once it got a little more into it, you felt it really got into the groove of things? Yeah, pretty much. Okay, that that was all I was trying to say. Sorry about that. Um, okay, so, uh, Mr. Clue... Actually, something I realized before I'm going into this. I am the only person with prior experience of the Konosuba show, really, and everybody else is mostly going in blind tonight. So this is going to be very interesting and exciting to hear what people think about this. So, Noah, I would yeah. love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, so just to paint it to our uh, viewers out there, um, Andrew, uh, what did you do? You you texted me at like 1 a.m. one random night and said, Hey, Noah, I want you to take a look at this uh, cast here. And he shows me the picture of the four characters just standing in a line, and he said, and I want you to pick out, without knowing the show, who's your favorite of the characters? And I'm like, I, I know what the show is, but I hadn't seen the show yet, so I'm like, um, I pick the the one with the staff and the hat that looks like a smiley face. So that, that was basically my introduction to this entire endeavor, already starting out with a favorite character without even knowing anything about the show. So, once we finally got into the show... The dub was honestly really not as funny as I think some other people thought. Like, I've heard people praise this as being exceptional comedy, and I never found this to be exceptionally funny, but it is fun throughout the whole thing. There's a lot of banter back and forth amongst the characters, and the characters do all sound distinct from each other in the uh, English. There's no uh, trouble with distinguishing between, well, Kazuma is got balls, so that kind of helps out. Aqua has a slighter... A higher voice. Um, Megamine is uh, somewhere a bit more muddled than that, and Darkness is like the lower, sultrier voice of the four. And then all the side characters aside from outside of that in the main group, pretty well done. So as far as casting and directing, pretty well done. And I do have to agree with Jet that I do think that it got funnier as the show went along. I'm not sure if that was exactly because they were getting more familiar with the content. Um, in the actual script writing process or because the show itself was just getting a little looser. Like, uh, to give an example, there's a lot of moments where the lead character will speak in a very deadpan voice, um, just sort of like, um, like, God, my life is hell sort of voice that gets a lot more prominent as the show goes along. And it stands out in starker contrast more to the, like, the I'm trying to be more serious and kill the Demon King personality. So, yeah, I, I do agree with Jeff that it's not... Uh, impeccable script writing, but for translating how awful, just absolutely awful some of these characters are, it did, it really got it. They really understood that these are not reliable people, that they're not good exactly, and that's okay. That That's what they're written as, and that's how they're portrayed in English. So, if I did anything, it made me dislike some of the characters exactly as much as the Japanese intended for me to. Hmm. I'm, I'm All right. Gonna, I'm going to be very harsh throughout this entire thing about the characters about the characters not the voice acting we'll 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 have words for the voice acting but the characters oh if you want to shit on these characters it's totally cool because paddle where is my paddle with the holes in it (laughs) keep that Uh, paddle away from darkness (laughs) 
No, no, no. Oh, no. Damn it. Jokes, jokes on you. I got plenty of paddling for her. That, that is such a contrast. Like, how do you punish a masochist? That's so difficult. Uh, you, you, you send them home without a scratch. <laughs> and anyways, uh, so, uh, J Jamal, I would love to hear your thoughts, sir. Well, I'm trying to find for calling him Alex Van Halen, but, uh... <laughs> oh, God, wouldn't that have been... Wait, 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 hold a second there. That'd be a very metal director. So, the cast I do find interesting because I I don't really watch a lot of L.A. dubs other than what's on Adult Swim. I mean, on Toonami at times. I mean, I don't really go out of my way to do it for Netflix, but anyway, so when I heard this was a California dub, I was kind of very intrigued because it, it sounded very naturalistic even for a California dub because sometimes with a California dub, it's a, the voice would fit, but the dialogue would be a little bit awkward at times. Like It, it sounded like they were, tr believe it or not, they were trying to go PG-13 with some of the dialogue, even though some of the actions are... Maybe R-rated, I don't know. Alex Von David did a pretty good job. I, I kind of agree with Jer about the script because I did find there was sometimes it, some characters kind of played it safe with the dialogue because I was like, God damn it, just curse or something, wouldn't you? <laughs> but other than that, it, everything seemed to work very well. I, I don't, if I do have any qualms, it's mostly going to be with the characters themselves, but I think for the most part, it's I, I'm not too familiar with Alex Von David's work. I mean, I own Kill the Kill. I haven't watched all of that. So. That's a very uh, different. Uh, you uh, really uh, gotta okay. get on that. Uh, okay, here's very, two very easy recommendations: Toradora and Erase. Watch those. Mm. <laughs> those are also very different kinds of shows between each other. Yeah. Okay, well, okay, well, actually, you know, just go with Toradora. That's probably more your speed. Actually, and that's actually, more similar to this kind of show, too. <laughs> actually, remember I said kind of playing the same dialogue. There were two lights. Now you think about it, there were two lights that are kind of unique in the show that kind of stood out to me. Uh, towards the end, when uh, Kazuma asked about what it's like you buy about dreaming about a 2D waifu. But also at the beginning, when like, he chooses Aqua to go with him. And she's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to tap that. I'm going to tap that all day. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> whoa, whoa. <laughs> no, okay. Very, he is one horny motherfucker. Well, we'll get more into him later, so. Yeah. I think, pretty, overall, it's, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. I, I don't know what else to say. Why don't you take it away? But would you yeah. recommend it over the Japanese? Oh, wait, no, you didn't see I saw three episodes in the Japanese, but I would say this. If I had to watch it in Japanese, I would have been a lot more pissed at a few characters than I would have in English. Hmm. Okay. But all in all, like, some qualms, but still pretty, pretty positive. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, I will definitely say I thought it took, like, an, ep it took like an episode or two. I agree that it felt like it took like an episode or two for the show to really get into the groove with the adaptive comedy but once it really got it a, a lot more comfortable with the characters their dynamics and how they talk and how they act i felt a lot of the dialogue actually really 
did get very punchy and funny. And there was a lot of standout lines where it's like, they might have been somewhat similar to what they were saying in Japanese, but it's like they kind of punched it up just enough to make it like distinct and unique. And I very much enjoyed it. And it honestly got sounded like there was a lot of care that went into the performances in general because there's a lot of really goofy, versatile ranges, especially for the main four characters, because they're going from, like, deadpan, goofy, sincere, emotional Rex to bitchy, horny, angry, whiny, uh, bratty, drunk, <laughs> horny again, drunk and horny. Andrew, um, Andrew, we're talking about Konosuba. We're not talking about your college experience. I was going to say, that's just one character, but then you mentioned Hordy, so... Look, the point is, there is a lot of different emotional directions to give these kinds of characters. And I feel like, especially like the main four, every one of them really gets the chance to show their range and have a ton of fun with this in the end. Oh, I definitely. I was pretty, pretty impressed with a lot of their deliveries, because like... Well, I don't like I like I'll say some of the script definitely was playing it a little like close to Japanese. I'd also argue at least when it comes to Bang Zoom, they probably work. They probably have a little more like regulations about that, but they can still punch up the dialogue pretty well. And the delivery of the actors sells a lot of those lines. And I feel the directional delivery on a lot of these performances really sells a lot of the comedy for me, whether the dialogue is, like, trying to be, like, extra funny. I think just the reactions and the things coming out of these characters' mouths was extremely entertaining, and I was enjoying myself a lot more. And I've seen the show in Japanese and English, and I, I'll admit, I love the Japanese cast and their deliveries, too, but... I think the English does a really stellar job and doing something pretty unique and different with it too. It's very enjoyable, and I had a ton of fun watching it. That is, so, a, you know, that, that's kind of a trope that um, anime is kind of renowned for is the the type of comedy where it's not uh, set up punchline exactly. It's overreaction. It's like crazy situation, and then the joke is overreaction or deadpan reaction to the crazy situation. And in that sense, they, they do adapt it really well in the English. Like, they get that style of comedy, even though we don't have an American equivalent to it. So I want to do I do want to give props to them for that. Yeah, okay. but but not only that, the show also adapts it in a way you think, you know what's coming next, and then they just kind of fake you out for a little bit. And then you're like, wait, that just happened? I know that's happened to me twice on occasion. Like, to keep the comedy fresh, you have to play with audience expectations. Yeah. Mm. All right. So, I think, uh, are we ready to move on now? Yes. Yeah, I think it sounds like a lot of our grievances or praises will come down to the individual performers here. So, let's just stretch this into the... Okay, but like I said, I will give praise. And I thought the the actor, most for the most part, the delivery of the actors and the script were still relatively fun. And was, oh, I, oh, yeah, I definitely have no problems with any of the acting. Okay, we'll get into that right now. Starting off, uh, our first group of characters. Uh, first, we have a character who is never actually named in the show, but he is listed as 
Ruffian. This is a dude with a purple mohawk who's part of the guild, who sometimes shows up to be supportive or weird or motivational. I'm not quite sure what his deal is. I feel he's got something going on, but I don't know. As well as two characters who I am bringing up for a simple reason, as I will get to. Uh, the thief, Chris, and the goddess, Eris, who is... Aqua's understudy once she gets su sucked into the underworld and takes over and is basically the renowned goddess of the land. People praise her and the local currency is named after her. I love that little detail. Oh, she thinks she's so special because she have a currency named after her. Dude, if you've got a currency named after you, you're doing pretty damn good in the afterlife. Yeah, you know what? She's just she's just a jealous senpai who she hasn't done much for herself. That, yeah, that's, and again, that's a trope that exists in a lot of anime, but it's kind of fun. It was kind of funny that they presented uh, Aqua's jealousy just by her voice alone, instead of like, you don't see her face at all, you just hear her snarky attitude over the voice. Hmm. That's just end, that's just end fuel to the fire. Mm. Oh, we'll get more to some fire later on, but oh, no. honestly, Aqua would add the opposite of fuel. She would just drown it until, like, it suffocates. Anyways... So, voicing these three characters, uh, playing the role of Ruffian is one Imari Williams, and playing the roles of both Chris and Eris is one Kira Buckland. Uh, Imari Williams has played such characters as Mizuken from Hunter x Hunter 2011, Zod from Berserk 2017, Lassic David from Record of Grand Crest War, and Whole Horse from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Stardust Crusaders. Kira Buckland, you'll have heard as such characters as Maria Narase from Testament of Sister New Devil, Izumo Kamaki from Blue Exorcist, Kyogoku Ren from Magi, and Lyria from Grand Blue Fantasy, the animation. Jet, would you like to start us off? Okay, uh, this will be very quick because I don't have notes for any of these characters, honestly. Um, that's how um, that's why Mario Williams as a ruffian. I mean, I really, really enjoyed him as Whole Horse and JoJo's, and, uh, and, uh, this is definitely a very similar, uh, style to how he played that particular character. It's a, it's a, uh, very, uh, very gruff, but in, like, a kind of snarky way that you can... Uh, that comes off as kind of charming, and it, and it was pretty fun to listen to, even if the guy was, like, mostly in the background for the most part. Um, was he, like, maybe had a little more to do, but, uh, for what we got in Mario Williams, sounded pretty good. Um, as for, uh, Kara Buckland as, I'm sorry, what was the thief's name again? Uh, Chris. she, she, had Chris and Eris. Okay, okay, I remember Eris, I just, like, couldn't remember Chris for some reason. Chris is the one who teaches uh, how to steal, and she has something very important stolen from her. So Chris only really had like one or two, only really had like two big scenes. Uh, but uh, but I very much enjoy hearing Kira Buckland and things, and she was a lot of fun here. And so, um, and so, uh, she's uh, she's had a pretty good with you, you know, teaching cons about other ways of the world, and uh, definitely very funny when uh, definitely very funny when Kazuma stole her undergarments. Uh, <laughs> it's so drastic. Yep. <laughs> but, God, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, that definitely uh, started a trade of Kazuma is the most despicable person. In perverts, all of you, every single one of you. 
Yeah, he is a yeah he is a he 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 is a charming individual. I'm just glad this show is not pretending like he's anything but. Uh, okay, and then lastly, as for her performance as Eris, Eris was also only really had like one scene. Yeah, but she did a very good job of making Eris, uh, you know, very sweet and polite, and like she didn't she didn't really deserve that photo with Cosmo, but she was very nice in spite of that. And uh, this, yeah, and I definitely very much enjoyed her scene, especially when like, <laughs> especially when Aqua shows up to take Cosmo back, <laughs> and just seeing Eris's reaction to that whole thing was really funny. Mm. And and Kira's delivery was uh, very spot on. So yeah, all these these performances, I don't have like a total like any really big opinions about them, but they were very enjoyable. All right, Noah. I also don't have too many notes about the individual acting, but I do have some, uh, I-, I will give high props um, to Imari, the uh, ruffian character. It's unfortunate that he's not really given a whole lot of development in the show. Like, it's very clear from the way the show is directed and written that none of the other male characters matter at all, because that would clearly take away from the uh, protagonist self insertion plot relevance that is our lead main male character. But for the bits that we get, Ruffian is an enjoyable uh, side character. I don't like it in shows where all the male characters are intentional assholes just to make the main character look even better. In this case, he's played up as kind of a normal, tough guy. And when we find out, um, like, we see him in episode 9, we see a bit of his uh, softer side. And it's like, aw, he's a cinnamon (laughs) roll. Oh, oh yeah, he's like, oh wait, he's not even, he's not even he's an not adventurer. Even adventure. He's not an adventurer. <laughs> he's just an artisan, which, which there is nothing wrong with being an artisan. They are hardworking individuals who just won the Academy Award for best anime feature. Go Spider Verse! Woo! Spider Verse, the best anime. Go buy it on Right Stuff, the anime marketplace. <laughs> <laughs> By the time this episode goes up, that that movie actually may be out. It comes out on May March nineteenth. So yes. So maybe that, yes. Anyways, don't yeah, date us even Sp- further. Spider Verse is the is the greatest isekai anime ever. Don't fight me on that one. Anyways, back on this topic here. No, 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 no. You stop right there. Oh no, no. You want to fight me on this one? It's about, no. It's about you being dragged into another world. No. And you have to be the hero. Don't you? De- don't no. you add me at the definition of what isekai is. Come at no. me, bro. I will expect you at my door with a katana in one I- hour. <laughs> I hate that you're right. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> this actually upsets me greatly. The fact that you just brought up that Spider-Verse is a fucking isekai anime. It has invaded everything. You thought it was Konosuba, but it was I, Spider-Gwen. Oh, fuck. Fuck! <laughs> I don't even know what this episode uh, is anymore. We're talking about side characters, weren't we? We're okay. Uh, anyways, uh, Spider-Man top. into the Spider-Verse, best isekai anime. Go buy it on Right Stuff, the Anaplay Marketplace. Go fuck yourself, <laughs> Noah. Please continue. Absolutely. So, uh, Kira Buckland has. Um, I, I, okay, I wanted to talk here about um, how bit characters and shows. Um, really show how good or bad the overall dub is because obviously the lead characters are going to be higher experienced actors or more well-directed, but the bit characters will reveal just how well the overall dub is because if a director doesn't care to direct their bit actors well or cast them well, then they then we get a lopsided experience. Um, I'm trying to think of like a really good example from modern times. I, I don't have one off the top of my head, but... Uh, I can think of a good one. Review Starlight for me. Okay. Okay. 
So, but um, but the reason I bring this up is because in voicing Chris, Kira offers a really good portrayal of a character that has some spunk to her for a character that really only shows up during that one episode, and we see her in other episodes, but she doesn't really speak too much in those. So, but but it's a fun, distinct, spunky character archetypal voice that I really like from her, and it contrasts pretty heavily with her Ares voice, which is much different. It's much more sensual and lulling and more angelic, for lack of a better word, that, again, you compare the two of them side by side, and that is really well-directing use out of just one voice actress. Um, I wouldn't have minded if these characters had stuck around for a little bit longer. I don't know what other purposes they would have served, but clearly this is not a show interested in plot progression. It is a show devoted to dicking around with awful human beings. So for that, I say, Kira, good job on what I'll call excellent bit acting from this excellent dub. All right, Jamal. Yeah, I guess uh, Imami, probably pretty nice guy. I mean, well, he didn't get to speak much, but for the character design, really did like his voice overall. <laughs> yeah, a little twist of his threw me off too, but hey, you know, when you play up things for comedy, like you said, you gotta play with your audience's expectations. Uh, Kira, on the other hand, I, I'm kind of a little in depth because when I hear Kira, I thought she was going to be in episode 9. I know I had heard her already at that point. Oh yeah, we forgot to mention, she actually plays a third character. She plays the the brand new succubi girl who breaks into the mansion and almost gets so killed. She, so she did show up then. That okay. Was that that's was what, also her, I yes. Did not catch that, that's what I was expecting, because, well, that's a different reason. But yeah, because I, I, I've heard Kira Buckley before, and she was pretty good. I mean, like, I'm not going to tell you what my expectations came from, but... I enjoyed her as a thief. She didn't do much at the time, but she was okay. Eris, on the other hand, was very kind of sweet, you know, caring. I mean, you can definitely tell she felt bad for Cosma because, you know, Cosma's in some deep shit already. <laughs> but damn, getting bossed around by Aqua, damn. I have to wonder if her uh, if her acting really nice or like uh, looking sympathetic was just so it seems so sincere because we had gone through seven episodes of shit throughout that before that of being treated like shit I should say. I mean, I want to know what direction was used for that, but yeah, it was pretty good. And then and then now that you mentioned the succubus, that that kind of caught me. Uh, maybe a little off guard, but... To clarify, the the baby, under like, brand new on the job... First day on the job, Succubus. Not the one that Kazuma is getting no, the sales no, pitch no. from, and you're feeling <laughs> very funny in your pants. Also, since we're talking about that, can I bring up a little side note about the animation real quick? Oh, yeah, boobs oh, don't make fucking don't, sense. Don't even get... Oh, I'm gonna lock myself in a closet for this. Don't let me out. Go for it. Uh, CGI is pretty good. I could I could tell next to Megas, but that's probably the most realistic boobs I've ever seen because they sag and not they're not perky. <laughs> the most realistic boobs. Yeah. <laughs> oh god! Wait, which character are you talking about? Uh, pick a character, any character. Oh. I don't think okay, e- except except one of which we'll talk next because her jacket was too tight. But anyway. I don't I I don't know how the breast <laughs> physics work in this universe at all. All, all we can point to is that when we were putting together the list of characters we we're going to talk about, I, I asked these guys, so are we going to talk about the character with big boobs? No, 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 not that one. No, not that one either. Yeah, that one. 
Now I know which one you're talking about, and I'm surprised she has a name. But we'll Anyways. get to that. Anyways, finish your thoughts. Everybody did a pretty good job. And like Noah said, you know, you got to direct your big characters well. Otherwise, the dub kind of... They pretty much they get the freedom to do what they want as long as, you know, everything's right there, you know? I, I swear to God, I thought you were going to say if you don't direct your bit characters well, your dub kind of sags. Look, we only had one thing sagging. Let's just move on. <laughs> Let's. Thank you for getting offended by that, Noah. You Okay. Anyways. Uh, I expected better of our dad jokes from you. You're you the only dad here, genius. No, no, no. You expected no. better and from me. Andrew is an honorary dad in the sense that his jokes are awful. So awful that he could host a Rodney Dangerfield charity tour. I'm going to pretend like I get that, and thank you very much. Oh, my God. Uh, now, okay. Actually, you know what? If anyone listening knows who Rodney Dangerfield is, put it in the comment section. I want to show that no one remembers him. Okay. Okay. So... <laughs> Alright, so, Amari Williams, he has a very smooth and sexy voice, and he's a very cool and nice guy. He looks menacing and scary, but he's a pretty chill dude who's just trying to do his best, and he's actually being pretty supportive of Kazuma from the sidelines. I don't know what his deal is. I remember a theory when I was first watching this show that people speculated he might actually be, like, the Demon King in disguise, but there's nothing to really prove that. He's just like, oh, hey... That's a good guy. He's gonna be big or someday. And that's really it. But I like his tone of voice and he's cool. Chris Adaris. Uh, Kira Buckland has a very distinct and enjoyable voice. And as Chris, she sounds very spunky and fun. Except And also gets flustered easily when she loses her undergarments. And that is an interesting scene and a half. But Well, wouldn't you? She, yeah, she, yeah, I would. But she's cool, and she's a ton of fun in that scene. And like I said, I wish she showed up a little bit more, but I think she makes a decent enough impression with her. Eris is very kind, sweet, loving, but gets flustered by Aqua insulting her by saying, that bitch pats her chest. Like, she thinks she's hot <laughs> <Yeah>. shit. <laughs> oh, that's so awful, but so funny. I, I feel bad for her laughing at it. And it's like, yeah. I, it's like he feels bad, and Cosmo's like, under his breath, I don't mind. I'm okay with padded breath. <laughs> <laughs> He's just like, oh, that's a thing. Which also... No, I have to no, ask, Go ahead. I was going to say, here's the thing. These were played by two different uh, voice actresses in Japan, but now that I know that they are the same actress in English, I just find it particularly funny that both of them have silver hair and are voiced by Kira Buckland and have very on like very spunky and cute voices so my current theory is that chris is just actually secretly eris mm. my th the re my my backing for this theory is the fact that the phrase that eris pads her chest and chris unfortunately only has one boob <laughs> i'm intrigued by your line of reasoning and i would like to subscribe to your newsletter Seriously, okay, look, the, I kind of adore the show's stupid-looking character designs, but even I'm like, why okay. do you only have one boo? Okay, Noah, you you sit down, boy, sit no, down. No, 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 mm -mm, no, no, this is gonna be stretched out through the whole episode, don't worry, we still got another hour and 20 minutes to do this, but... 
This is a Studio Dean show, ladies and gentlemen. And if you haven't been around for a long time, there are no well-animated Studio Dean shows. Okay, okay, okay. None. Okay, okay. Hey, 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 hey. Noah? 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 Go watch Rockago. Noah? I'm not going to say this is a show that aesthetically looks good, but I will argue and say that the comedic, goofy aesthetic actually looks pretty fun and cartoony. And there is actual effort in there. It, when it comes to comedy, squash and stretch is very important. And let's be honest, the off-model parts are really not what's getting me. Like, when they go off-model for comedic effect, yes, I'll agree. That is what I want in my comedy. There's a reason that your Looney Tune characters don't stay static images and then they move around a whole lot. You need that in a good physical comedy. It's just when it's not trying to be funny and it just looks like crap it, because it's Studio fucking Dean... That's what's getting on my nerves. Okay, okay. Uh, well, let's I mo- mean, let's like, move on. I, I I mean, like, I'm pretty sure the show looks in 100% intentionally that way, but whatever. I, I I would argue that I think the aesthetic actually looks intentionally jank, but... It, it's not, that's, that, yeah, it's not like, that, the design. Like, I actually like a lot of the designs. It's the way that it moves and the quality control and the... This is not a show I should be watching. It's not healthy for me. Let, let's move on, shall we? All I'll say is, I think season two gets a lot more cartoony for your taste, and if that gets dubbed, I think you will enjoy it. Anyways, Imari Williams and Kira Bucklin both did a stellar job. It's time for us to move on to our next set of characters. I think we will have more words for these two in uh, particular. Uh, uh, okay, uh, yes. Uh, okay, I know there's a really obvious joke to make one of them, so can you withhold that until I go? I will withhold whatever joke you're going to make till you get there. But first, let's talk about a general of the Demon King and another heroic isekai boy. Uh, the Dulahan Valdera. Is it Valdera or Valdora? Verdia. Verdia, okay. I don't know, Wait. I literally just have it written down as a Dulahan. I also just have it written down as Dulahan. Anyways, he's a Dulahan. And our other heroic isekai boy Kyoya Mitsurugi playing these two characters playing the part of the Dullahan we have one Patrick Seitz and playing Kyoya Mitsurugi is one Billy Kometz you may know Patrick Seitz from such roles as Griamore from The Seven Deadly Sins Uvogin from Hunter Hunter 2011, Agil from Sword Art Online, PS. Did you know his name was actually Andrew? I did not know that until looking this up. I thought I would mention that. And Kyrie Sisiko from Fate Apocrypha. Billy Kometz, you've heard as such characters as Yuya Kanzaki from the Bang Zoom redub of Ico Incarnation, Mikhail from Sirius the Jaeger, Hakuno Kishinami from Fate Extra Last Encore, and Naofumi Iwatami from Rising of the Shield Hero. Chet, would you like to make the joke? Okay, yes. Uh, so I'll start with Billy Comets. Uh, Billy, it sure is nice to hear him playing a wholesome isekai hero wannabe who doesn't have any slave girls, and boy, the sea is popping out. Anyway, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Aha, topical. Okay, anyway, uh, while Kyoya here wasn't in the show for very long, I did get some very good laughs out of his interactions with Kazuma, since it was a lot of fun watching his very straight-laced personality play off of Kazuma's generally scummy behavior. 
Uh, Billy really sold his very holier-than-thou attitude. And while I did feel kind of sorry for the guy for having the misfortune to run into Kazuma, I can't say he wasn't amused when Kazuma just straight up ran off into the sunset with all his stuff. <laughs> what the, he did nothing wrong! Like, let, uh, this isn't even a joke. Kyoka did nothing wrong! <laughs> nothing! Uh, uh, while this guy... Well, I wish this guy had, like, a little bit more to do than, like, just mostly that one scene. Billy did a really good job of him. And again, it was just really nice to see him play wholesome music guy, boy. As for Patrick says, at the duel ahead, just... Uh, so, uh... <laughs> Uh, so having done a lot of work with Funimation in the past, Fun Patrick Sykes is obviously uh, probably more or less the one with the most experience in anime comedy out of the whole cast. And uh, it really shows in a lot of his delivery. Uh, he makes the dual head sound very foppish in the most over-the-top way imaginable. And every line he speaks is exaggerated in a way that makes his character come off as way too silly to take seriously. Uh, which is uh, really funny in contrast to his very serious-looking character design, uh, which I guess is also kind of the point. Uh, but at the same time, though, he also manages to make the dual hand sound, you know, just like the kind of guy who wants to, you know, maybe uh, take off his shoes and relax on his days off of work. And he can't stand all these noisy kids blowing up his house every dang day, which uh, made his complaints about the fact pretty funny. Uh, the thing that really killed me, though, is when he finds out through uh, one of Wiz's flashbacks that, uh, despite all his claims that he's a very upright warrior, he has, like, no interest in the fair sex or, like, looting anyone. Uh, that he actually kind of harassed her on the regular. And Harry Patrick's eyes just say the line, Whoops! My head slipped! In the most I dramatic fashion. Yeah. <laughs> in the I most dramatic fashion. <laughs> and he's uttered this line in the most dramatic fashion possible. <laughs> it just had me on the floor rolling. <laughs> just like his head! Just like his oh. head, Jet! <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, so yeah, uh, this was far and away one of the funniest performances in the dub for me. We'll get to the other one later. And uh, well, I don't know if I'd rate the dub as a whole as like a comedy of the year contender for me. Uh, Patrick Sykes' performance is definitely going to be one to beat for like best male in a comedy. Hmm. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, Noah. Yeah, I, I have to agree. Uh, uh, if you're gonna have a an awful character, make them funny to listen to. Yep. Patrick Seitz's uh, Doolahan is, uh, it's amazing because he goes between different personalities where he's pissed off at the at uh, Megumin for blowing up his castle, and then he goes from being kind of creeped out by darkness, kind of, I'm not even going to say flirting with her, but leading him on, as it were. But, okay, in all of those personalities, he doesn't change his pitch. He maintains that same uh, crazed demon energy pitch when he's both seriously yelling and freaked the fuck out by all the characters around him. Which is an incredible feat, really, in and of itself. It's like, this is not a normal human voice. Like, I'm assuming Patrick Sykes isn't going to the, to the Denny's and ordering, I would like a Grand Slam breakfast! In that normal voice. <laughs> He'd probably do that. Let's be honest. I mean, I don't... Let, let's be I fucking mean, real. I mean, I mean, I mean, this... Okay, this is the voice of Dio we're talking about. If the man... If the man could go every day of his life getting anything he wanted sounding like Dio fucking Brando, he could and would. Yeah, Dio with it. So gracious. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, full props to Patrick, because that that was the, I'm going to say it was the 
most consistently funny performance in the whole thing. That was clearly supposed to be, because in any other show where there is a headless horseman out for blood, that would be intimidating. But this isn't that kind of show. Nothing is intimidating. No one's going to die. Um, okay, almost no one's going to die. And nothing is so like bad that we have to get above the level of semi-serious okay, okay, all okay. In this I, show. Actually, yes, I know. I, know. I was gonna. I know. I know. It's just one thing I was gonna bring up very briefly that like, it's funny you bring up no one is gonna die because like that whole thing where he like threatens darkness with a death curse. I actually thought they were going to play that seriously for like maybe a good ten minutes and then like oh, well fake out. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't. It didn't. It didn't even last five. No. No. <laughs> it's not that kind of show. It's not at all. And that's and that's really the crux of the whole thing. It's it's a very self-aware show, which I would argue that self-aware is not the same thing as subversive. But we'll talk about that a little bit more later. But uh, bringing on to the point here, Patrick Seitz, excellent dual hand, funniest part of the show. Uh, as for Billy Kometz, uh, yeah, poor Kyoka doesn't really get very much development. And honestly, I, I get the feeling that the show kind of truncated his screen time because they didn't have the idea about what to do with them like you would think a character another male character brought in as a contrast to Kazuma would be a recurring character but with the way that the show is structured being so episodic and not interested in actually developing he can't be around for very long so he's there for the scene he gets the sword stolen he's completely flat broke and that that's it that is the last we see of him so for the voice of it, though, Billy has a slightly higher voice than Cosma does, so he does contrast him in a bit in the vocal range, and it's 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 probably the most normal sounding of the characters that we're going to talk about, in just the sense that he sounds like, like you said, a good boy, like a good Japanese boy who's been trapped in this world and is making the most of it. And that is, that, like I said, bit players have to be directed pretty well, so being directed pretty well he doesn't sound flat he doesn't sound bored and he doesn't sound underwhelming either so that is where i say well acted don't really think you could have like improved on it by making it more dynamic all righty jamal i can see where the phrase nice guys finish last come from uh kyoka wow, that's uh... i think it's I th also i think it's kyoya not kyoka i mean fuck no, I'm not gonna. Cur I, it's not that something to be cut. It's just no one made the mistake too. I thought I'd bring it up. Yeah, I wrote down. Yeah, my I, 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 like okay. Yeah, don't feel bad. I also wrote down Kyoka, and I like corrected it at the last second. I heard Andrew say Kyo. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, so did you, Andrew? What the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> I look. I looked how to spell it. I'm the one in charge of this train. Anyway, so yeah, Kyoya cannot read the situation. Like, he sees his beloved goddess that he feels like he's been thrown away at that point, and like, awkward tossed to his side. Like, but it kind of speaks to the character, but more of that later. And then you challenge Cosmo to a duel. That, that's the kind of had me burst out laughing because Cosmo's like, you know what, fuck this, let's go. <laughs> and I just. <laughs> that, that, was, uh, that was very well comedically timed. <laughs> Yes. It basically reminded me of the scene from, um, God, what is it, um, uh, what was the Suntance Kid movie? I can't remember the full title of it, where it's basically, we're gonna have a nice Butch Cassidy and the Butch Suntance Cassidy Kid. And yeah, and it's like, okay, how do we do this fight? Bam! Kick him in the nuts! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what else was comedically timing and scared the shit out of me a bit? When Aqua punched him in the face. <laughs> Cause like I saw that coming, I just didn't expect it to happen within one frame of animation. 
I was like lightning fast. But anyway, yeah, Billy commits as an actor. I, uh, other than Josuke from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, I'm not too familiar with him, but it sounded it sounded pretty good for the character design he was going for. Yeah, you know? he manages to place up the emotions a little bit because again, like he feels like he's been thrown away. And, like he's not being respected anymore, even though he's respected among his other peers, especially those two ladies he hangs out with. Oh no, you did a good job. Right. Let's get to let's get to the man, the out for this section, Patrick Sides. <laughs> yes. Jesus Christ, because from the moment I saw Megumin and Mega had caused those explosions, I was like, Yeah, somebody's living there. <laughs> But again, they play, <laughs> the show played up my expectations, and I was like, "All right, wait a minute. Oh, I see now why Jet wanted to talk about the dual head. Holy shit, that's Patrick Sykes? Yep. I was like, I was like, oh, shit. Because he manages to play off anger very well, because nowadays I'm used to him as like Scorpion from Mortal Kombat, because, you know, only Megumi can abate his anger. Damn it! Now I want to see a I, I want to see a Mortal Kombat scene where it's Megumin versus Dulan. <laughs> Mortal Kombat. <laughs> Which I'm kind of pissed he's not coming back for eleven, and so is he. But anyway, yeah. So when he manages to change up the emotions, like he he starts getting nervous because you know doctors are saying all oh, these things, trying to make him out to be a perfect. I was like. <laughs> he he's trying to he's trying to deny it because he knows it's the truth, but me, but doctor is, is like just coercing everybody to believe in her, and then you see the flashback. Oh, he is a perfect dad, son of a bitch. <laughs> 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 but and how he manages to keep the flow consistently is kind of pretty cool, actually. And. Well, yeah, now you think about it, maybe he could be contender for male hair, but it's too early to tell at this point, but... <laughs> <laughs> Never show your cards too early, gentlemen. <clears throat> but I think you did a pretty good job, Bubby. What about you, Andy? Hmm. All right. I'll, of course, start with uh, Billy Kometz. Uh, he has this very, very unique-sounding voice. He sounds very heroic, noble, and... He basically sounds like the protagonist of an of a heroic isekai anime. Pause for effect. Anywho, yeah, no, uh, Billy is very much, uh, he's very noble, cool, brave, and he's just trying to get his favorite goddess empire to notice him, but then he's hanging out, then she's hanging out with some douchebag And put her in a cage. See, the sad part is, like, that's not even his fault by that point. It's just like, Aqua, get out. No, I live here now. This is all I will ever know. And she's so traumatized by it. It's like, oh, you poor thing. See, that's why I can't really get too... I can't really hate Aqua too much because, yeah, she may be a sloth, but she didn't She didn't do anything too wrong. <laughs> Well, we'll, what? We'll, okay, uh, well, we'll, get we'll to save that. this. We'll, get to we'll that. save these thoughts. We'll <laughs> save these thoughts for later. But Billy as uh, Kyoya was very noble and fun, and interacting with uh, him playing off of Kazuma was a ton of fun. And just the way that scene plays out, as well as the noises he makes <laughs> when he gets smacked on the goddamn head, is pretty funny. 
As for Patrick Sites, Patrick Sites has a wonderful, like, gruff, menacing voice that lends so well to when the dual hand is trying to be very menacing and intimidating. But then seeing, like, he very much knows comedic timing and comedic performance, and he never really breaks the character. He just is that character, but is also playing that character very goofy, or, like, when he genuinely gets surprised, he's like, What?! What the hell is happening here? It's like, wh what do you mean? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do anything to you. Why do you think I'm gonna do things to you? That's stop it. That's gross. That's no, creepy. <laughs> like he was gonna ca call harassment on her for that one. Yeah, it, it's. Damn it! But, now, now I'm thinking of um, old Pepe Le Pew cartoons. Oh, but, there's a. Okay. When the tables get turned. Anyways, but yeah, no, uh, Patrick Seitz as the dual hand has so much, like, ra like he's having so much fun with it, it sounds like. He's this menacing, goofy villain, and he just, uh, his presence on screen is so palpable and a ton of fun, and you can feel, like, what he's genuinely, like, intimidating and, and frightened by these weirdos, but also <laughs> when he's just trying to be like, I don't want to deal with this today, and then when he also tries to be evil, but just... The hardest laugh was him just going, whoopsie, my head slipped, which I don't even think that's what the line was in Japanese. If that was changed in the script, bravo, fucking bravo. <laughs> Patrick Seitz as the duel of hand was so much goddamn fun and definitely was a highlight of this dub for me. Not my favorite. I will get to that later. But I think it's time to get to two characters with... A fair amount of heft to their appearances. And Andrew, Andrew, yes. Here's, here's a shovel. Keep digging. <laughs> okay. Huge tracks to land. Here's one for Jamal. <laughs> I break your shovel. Anyways, uh, there's a there's a lot to sink our teeth into right now. Um, <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> You, sir, uh, are a boob. <laughs> All right. Anyways, it's time for me to grab a hold of the conversation once more as we firmly grasp the conversation. Oh, okay. Okay, you can't see it, but I currently have Lilac on speed dial. <laughs> okay, no. okay, okay. I, I didn't expect to snort that hard. <laughs> Anyways, we're talking about Luna and Wiz. Luna is basically the guild girl of this series, and she gives out all the jobs, the quests, and basically runs the missions. And we have Wiz, who is a character that is rather alarmingly introduced into the story as a former general of the Demon King and a lich who has opened a shop in town. Both of these characters also have very big, bouncy breasts, and I don't understand how these breast physics work in this goddamn show. Anyways, playing the roles of Luna and Wiz uh, are Erica Harlicker and Brianna Knickerbocker. Uh, Erica Harlicker has played such characters as Claudia Enfield from The Asterisk War, Elizabeth Leoness from The Seven Deadly Sins, Ruler, a.k.a. Jean d'Arc from Fate Apocrypha, and Kurapika from Hunter x Hunter 2011. Brianna Knickerbocker, you'll have heard as such characters as Elaine from The Seven Deadly Sins, Akane Awakasu from Durarara X2, 
Kirin Toto from the Asterisk War, and Chisaki Hiradaira from A Lull in the Sea. Jet, would you like to start? Mm -hmm. uh, so since, uh, so since uh, full disclosure, it's been like a good month since I like watched this show, and uh, <laughs> a lot happened in that month. Uh, I don't, I don't really have like a whole ton to say about Luna because I kind of don't remember too much of her dialogue. And uh, it's kind of a shame because I really do like listening to Erica Hollister and things. Uh, but uh, Luna was just kind of mostly in the background for me, which I guess is uh, kind of the point since she's, you know, the receptionist. And uh, it didn't really leave Erica with, like, too much material that really, like, stood out to me. Uh, I will say that I found, like, her dry, like, sometimes her cats and delivery and some of the quest assignments to be, like, pretty funny. And uh, she definitely did give me the impression that Luna wasn't, like, super fond of her job. And, you know, I can always appreciate, like, a good, tired office worker kind of gag. And uh, that was pretty well done. Uh, I wish I had a little bit more to say here, but, uh, again, it's got a bit of bump and this character didn't leave, like, a super big impression on me, so, sorry. Uh, Brianna uh, Dickerbacher, as Wiz, on the other hand, uh, was a much bigger presence on the show. And uh, while she... <laughs> uh, <laughs> you perverts! Oh, and, my God. Uh, and, and, okay, and you okay, with respect. <laughs> okay, currently calling Lila. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, no, I shouldn't have laughed. No, you're not sorry. You are not. No, that is a lie. That is a bald-faced lie, Andrew. <laughs> Anyways, Jet, please continue. Okay, uh, boy, now I have to find where I was in my notes. Okay, uh, so, um... Brandon Neckerbacher is with, on the other hand, with a much bigger presence in the show, and uh, while she only really showed up in like the last few episodes, she got plenty of good material to work with. I was a little weirded out by her whole, like, remember the new guy? Kind of introduction into the show's cast, but, uh... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's essentially what happens between the first and the second season when there was an OVA between the two, and you're just expected to buy. Oh yeah, this character showed up. <coughs> the world god only knows. <coughs> Sorry, Fancy you funny you mention that actually cuz there is a character that is actually in the opening of season 1 who is in the OVA of the show and that's the first time she shows up in the show is in that OVA. But that OVA has not been dubbed or licensed. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, but uh, anyway, I found her to be pretty charming and uh, watching her get watching her getting constantly bullied by Aqua was equal parts funny and distressing kids. Let's face it, Aqua is the worst. I mean, well, I mean, well, also, yeah. Kappa, but Aqua is the worst. Mm. Uh, <laughs> uh, we'll get to that. We'll I get to uh, that. I have mm -hmm. a novel of writing about that. We'll get okay, to uh, it. Okay. Okay. I'm I'm all out of tea yeah, at this uh, point. <laughs> Control yourselves, gentlemen. Okay, uh, anyway, Brina was great at making ways sound, you know, very soft-spoken and kind of awkward, but you know, not going so over the top with it that it sounded like really annoying. And uh, her delivery whenever, you know, she has to plead with Aqua to spare her life was always pretty funny, and, uh, it managed to get a few good chuckles out of me. I also, lot of her, I also like a lot of her interactions with Kazuma's actor, in a way, you know, she kind of inadvertently shuts down a lot of his advances without realizing it was a pretty good gag. Especially, especially that mm. whole little bit in the last episode. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, that, that whole line of, that whole discussion is like, I need to, I need suck. to suck. <laughs> no, hang on. I have the actual quote. Uh, this ain't the time for jokes, but I trust you, so suck me. <laughs> suck away. And then it's like, actually, it's like he gets his life force sucked out of him, and all he says is, yeah, 
That sucked. And honestly, like I said, the script as the show gets on becomes a whole lot of fun and very enjoyable. I think it really finds its footing yep. later on. Yeah, that scene I saw coming, it didn't see coming at the same yeah. time. <laughs> he, did, he didn't see that coming because he was expecting a different kind of sucking. Yep, uh, so, okay, uh, so, long story short, uh, Wiz was definitely the most instinctive of the non-villainous eye character for, characters for me. And uh, Brina's performance and a lot to make her feel pretty likable in a cast largely dominated by the two most despicable people on planet Earth. Uh, anyway, I like both of these performances, and while uh, Brina Nickenbacher obviously stood out a, a lot more to me here, I have to say both ladies did a pretty fine job. Noah. I think a, I could be guessing here, and I could be wrong, but I think the reason for you, Jet, that um, Luna didn't quite stand out so much is that Erica gives her a very nice person voice that has probably the least dynamic female voice of the entire cast. So it's not unusual that that would stand out so much, but uh, it, that's really what this calls for. She's supposed to be this, uh, and she shows up throughout the entire series, like in bit parts throughout all the episodes about this, you know, nice girl voice that's not a moe voice it's not a sultry voice it's like a midwest speech pattern voice that's just dictating one when there's a like when there's uh rewards to give out and two when the city's under attack and we need all adventurers to gather out everybody else run for cover so in that sense erica's performance is the right amount of just nice and normal that we needed for this particular voice and yes obviously the missing a button on the shirt thing and always flaunting them out can be very distracting for you but the, the voice part she got that down just right as for brina's whiz there is uh there are archetypes in anime and we carry them over into english and there's that archetype of the shy nice girl who has a very large chest and is very self-conscious about it we've seen this time and time again and it's always played up for funny because oh ho ho sexual harassment is funny so in brina's performance of this it's actually much more dynamic than that normal archetype because she gets to do a whole lot more she's not just shy all the time although she is very coy about the you know the fact that oh yeah i was defending the demon king's castle and um I uh, I come back from the dead and a couple other lines that I can't quite remember, but it's she gets to do a whole lot more. She's a lot more proactive in what she does, and that sense Brina gets to voice a lot more personality in this. That honestly is put together pretty well. I can't really think of like a way I would improve upon it. It's distinct enough from all the other female voices, and it fills that niche pretty well. That that lich fills the niche pretty well. <laughs> ah, well played. Uh. Clap, clap, clap. Yeah, so, like I'm saying, when it comes to a cast like this, where there's different characters, different roles, different RPG levels, character archetypes, you gotta have distinct different voices between them, and I would not confuse these two characters, I don't think, for each other, in either the way that they act or the way that they speak. Uh, Jamal, would you like to give your thoughts on Luna and Wiz? Yeah, first off, I'd like to say, not only did I not know Luna had a name, I didn't know, like, she was... So, somewhat semi-integral to the show, like, because most, cause most she, of the bits I've seen... She, she is basically the single most recurring NPC in the show. I don't think they they name her within the show. 
They did the, not. Yeah. Sa- same deal with the ruffian. I only found out he was called the ruffian because I looked it up. Similar deal with her. She's just kind of like the guild girl for most of it, except her name is not actually the guild girl, unlike another show. I, I really, Anyways. I don't believe that they named this girl Luna, though, because, of course, Luna means moon. If they really wanted to have that name, this is the kind of show where... You have to make that name really super fucking obvious. And we never see her, like, at night. So, I, I don't buy that. No, but we do see two moons. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> which, 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 which breaks up my point, which breaks up my point, because I think the reason, Jet, you don't see her as much, I think she's the fan service character. Because in every scene you see her in, She's either got her cleavage exposed, or we see a shot of her butt when she's just wiping the counter. I'd argue everyone is the fan service yeah. character, but that's another conversation. But thank you for that. That was a... Oh, God. This entire section, we are just fucking children. I have nothing to say. I feel bad. She has a very cute design. and She I re- does. I just... Like, she doesn't have much else going for her, except for being, like, the really nice, like... Quest girl. Yeah, because I know there's one giver for I've seen she's all gung ho and she's very excited. I don't know what for, but I really like the character design. It's a shame she doesn't do any more than like be dispatch or shell out rewards or assign, uh, assign uh, ranks to parties and so. But, I don't know. Maybe she gets more season two. I don't know. You'd know, Andrew. But for what I it's would know, but I'm not going to tell you. All right. Anyway, but for what it's worth, me, Erica Hanukka did a really good job. I mean, I'm not too familiar with her other than A-Fest and maybe a couple other shows I can't remember off the top of my head, but... I you should that's... get more... F- you should change that is all I'm going to say. Uh, okay, okay, here's, okay, here's the a very easy way to fix that. Watch Hakagirui. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I, I did a couple months ago, never mind. <laughs> I, I forgot she's the crazy one. Uh, well, they're all crazy, but... They're all the crazy one in that. That no makes... No one is sane. Nobody. <laughs> anyways, anyway, anyways, I'm putting this stump. back... Let's, Where are your fucking parents? Noah, Noah. They're in the other room. Sit down, Noah. Let him, let him go back on track. I'm already yes. in my room. Anyway, but other than that, Erica did a pretty good job. Yana, I guess... Obviously, someone I've never really heard of. Like, I thought she did a pretty good job as Wiz. Like, Wiz, that, Wiz too had a cute character design, you know. She's just, I guess she's just trying to live her best life. That, you know, she has to deal with Aqua. And, and Aqua goes beyond Wiz. Like, to the point she almost erased out of existence. But that's a different, but we'll talk about that later. But one thing that really clicked for me with Brianna was, uh, like, when you hear her speak, for some reason, in her higher register, I could almost hear notes of Jade Saxton a bit. These two ladies did a pretty good job for their respective characters, you know. You did the, did the nice ones. I'm just sad they don't get to do a whole lot more maybe next season. Who knows? So, uh, starting with Luna, uh, she, Erica Harlicker, has a very good voice and in this show she plays this character like everybody else sounds much more exaggerated extravagant goofy cartoonish anime she sounds very down to earth 
I'm also realizing as I say the phrase down to earth, there's another boob joke to make and I really don't want to keep thinking of boob jokes and I feel so bad. I actually felt bad about that one. That was too easy. Anyways, uh, Erica's voice, uh, very distinct, casual. She does a good job, like basically discussing quests and trying to get adventurers to do things. I was definitely getting a big kick out of her introducing the cabbage quest. Just the way she's introducing that one was a ton <laughs> yeah. of fun. And it's like, oh man, this is actually a thing that's happening. This is great. But Erica does a very solid job and she sounds very cute and casual and she she plays the part well. Uh, Brianna is somebody I have not... She has showed up in a number of things as of late, but I don't think we've actually gotten a proper chance to really sit down and talk about her. Yeah. But I really like the performance she gives Wiz because Wiz was already very, like, cute and sweet. But this is just full-on, like, cute, sweet, innocent girl. She is being bullied by this bad bitch named Aqua. <laughs> and she's just trying to run her shop. All she wants to do is live her best life after, like, dealing with the the... The Devil King, because they call him Devil King in the show, that actually bothers me, just because every other show, it's a demon king. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think she has this very cute, very uncomfortable, please stop doing this, I really don't want to be dealing with this. Like, she is the full-on essence of goth moe. That is what Wiz <laughs> is as a character. She is goth moe. That is exactly what she is. She is very shy and timid, and she's got the big boobs. She's very... She's basically like, uh... Make an example that you would understand. She's basically, what if the hex girl from Pokemon was the pink-haired girl from Lucky Star? I feel like there are maybe ten people in the listening audience who would get that. <laughs> Probably, but, but... But those ten it, people it, are amazing. Those people, those people are my squad, and we ride or die together now. <laughs> Anyways, point is, Brianna has this very, like, distinct voice. Like, she actually gets a lot of comedy to play off of when it comes to, like, oh, God, I'm dying right now, too. Oh, God, please, please, get off of me. I don't want to deal with you, too. Kazuma, just, just take it back and button bit, and also just the fake out of trying to suck him off. And she gets a, she even gets her own, ex she even <laughs> Oh, good God, though. <laughs> No, uh... I wasn't even trying. I wasn't even trying. Oh, no. Oh, no, you did. I wasn't even trying. Anyways, she even gets her own explosion in there, too, alongside Megamine, so that was cool. That was but, yeah. Yeah, no, Brianna has a very cutesy, interesting voice for this character, and for the few episodes she's there, she has a very... I'm not gonna say big presence. I'm not gonna say she has a big presence. Mm. I'm, I, at this point, it's too easy. It's too easy. She has a very distinct and notable presence in the show, and she's a ton of fun interacting with the other characters, and I can't wait to hear more of her in Season 2. Okay. Anyways, please dub Season 2. Uh, okay. We're done? Yep. Get yeah, that out of our system. All right, friends. Yeah. Guys. It's time. TV waifus for the win. Okay. It's time... It's time to get the big guns out of the way. We're doing the main four who these are like 
the entire show of Konosuba as a whole is built around, is basically made or made or bro- broken by how good these next four are. Hello, next, darkness, my we are going to friend. talk about... <laughs> We will get to talk darkness, about darkness. Darkness is spreading. <laughs> Anyways, we're we're gonna talk about darkness and darkness Megami. beyond twilight, uh, crimson beyond blood that flows. There's anyways, no one who remembers that show. Uh, uh, oh, no, uh, oh, don't, don't worry, I remember it too. Oh, you're my oh, friend, God. Jet. <laughs> anyways, uh, darkness, otherwise known as Dustinus Ford Lalatina, is a don't you wealthy color that. Is a wealthy aristocrat girl from a wealthy family who is a crusader, a crusader class uh, party member who cannot hit anything with her sword and is very, very enthusiastic about taking the damage as good as it gets and having a grand old time with it. So pretty much she can't hit anything, but she likes to get hit on. She likes to get hit. She does not like to get, no, she does not like to get hit on. She gets very flustered by that. She likes to get hit something fierce. (laughs) And then there's Megamine, who is from the clan of Crimson Demons, a very powerful clan who hails and is a master in the art of explosion magic and literally nothing else. And she uses explosion magic once, and she is down for the count for the rest of the day, and that's what she is. She is the physical embodiment of a glass cannon. You forgot to mention the part where she is the best character, just the best one. Well, oh, the she... best worst girl. <laughs> I mean. I, all all, hey, all hey, of these characters hey. are the best worst. The best of being the worst. Anyway, can we at least agree that she's the most? She's the best designed or the best looking character from like a a, a character design perspective. I know she don't want to pull her finger. Uh, I'm trying to get okay my here. Anyways, so playing the roles of darkness and Megamine. Playing darkness, we have one Christina V and. Playing the role of Megamime, we have Erica Mendez. Christina V, you'll have heard as such characters as Morgiana from Magi, Rei Honmaru from Kill la Kill, Sakura Mato from Fate Stay Night Unlimited Blade Works, and Killua Zoldic from Hunter Hunter 2011. Erica Mendez, you'll have heard as such characters as Deanne from The Seven Deadly Sins, Yuki Kono from Sword Art Online 2, Ryuko Matoi from Kill a Kill, and Killua's boyfriend life partner himself, Gone Freaks from Hunter x Hunter 2011. Oh wow, I did I actually did not make that connection until just now for some reason. <laughs> so did I. Indeed. Also, Jet. it's gonna be ironic you said that for later on. Uh, Jet, start us off. Okay, um... So we'll start off with Erica Mendez and Mega Man. Uh, so everyone in our main cast is, is uh, dysfunctional in one way or another. Uh, Mega Man is probably the only really genuinely good person out of the whole bunch. Well, I mean, Darkness is fine too, I guess, but her problems are a little uh, a little harder to work around. Uh, anyway, uh, Erica does a great job of making Mega Man sound equal parts overly dramatic and adorable. 
And she feels this dork with such an abundance of energy that it's kind of impossible not to find her character extremely charming after a while. I mean, sure, she'd be a quote-unquote more competent mage if she'd stop obsessing over explosive spells all the time. But she's so into what she does that you can't really hold it against her. And she's really trying her best in spite of that, which makes the character both funnier and more likable. I feel like she's the wizard equivalent of that one kid who's like, you know, while everyone else is, you know, participating in field day, she's like that one kid in the corner who's playing make-believe. Uh, while her mother is like holding a camera and saying, you're doing amazing, sweetie. <laughs> you know what? Oh. I, can, I can totally see it. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, going back to Erica, while she hasn't been in, like, too many anime comedies that I can recall, uh, her delivery is, uh, her delivery is pretty much as spot on here as it is in a lot of her more serious roles. And you can really tell she's having a lot of fun with the character, whether, you know, it's playing off of the odd, but somewhat enduring friendship between her and Cosmo when they, you know, blow up the dual hand's house every day, or the super dramatic <laughs> way she reads off the explosion spell every episode like she's in an episode of Slayers. For the, like, five people who will get that reference. Yay! <laughs> uh, it was a lot of fun to listen to. While it wasn't, like, the funniest role in the show for me, it certainly makes me want to see her in more comedies. Uh, as for Christina Vias Darkness... Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Uh, so, Darkness as a character is uh, pretty interesting, since uh, when she was first introduced into the show, you are pretty much tipped, like, literally right off the bat that... Uh, while she seems like she'd be more competent than the rest of the gang, there's something not quite right about her. And I remember that she's into masochism certainly, uh, certainly took me for a loop there. Uh, masochism jokes can be kind of a tricky thing to pull off, and especially in anime, because you have to walk a very fine line with that, as there's a risk of an actor either being so over the top with it that they sound, you know, more annoying than funny and it gets really grating after a while. Or like the or the material itself, it or the material itself uh, ends up making the actor sound notably uncomfortable, uh, which can end up turning things from being what would normally be funny to being very very nasty very quickly. Uh, fortunately, Christina V traverses that line with grace, as she sat with all of Darkness's crazy fetishes with a level of conviction that honestly took me by surprise, uh, even more so than the revelation of what she's actually into. And every, and every line read of hers is delivered with such a strange mix of sincerity and sultriness that she had me laughing no matter how repetitive those jokes got. And uh, the way she managed to play off of Patrick Sides in particular as a doula hand was uh, definitely some of the funniest <laughs> stuff in the show since he really sounded like he was not into Huberger Kings and uh, take her making him more and more uncomfortable to every line with pure gold. And, uh... Okay, and uh, while we don't see too much of Darkness's serious side, uh, she did a really good job playing that off too, even though, again, like, uh, Darkness, Darkness needs some help. Uh, but uh, anyway, this was far and away the funniest of the female performances in the show for me. And uh, much like Patrick Sides' performance, it's uh, definitely one that might be a best comedy contender for me. So, yeah, I'm done. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Noah! Hell, um... I'm going to start with Darkness. Um, I'm going to piggyback off of what Jet was saying there in that um, I, I like Christina's voice. Like, I, I like her, her not natural voice because I don't, haven't, I don't think I've heard her, like, speaking normal, not in an anime before yet. But uh, this tone that she gives Darkness, this uh, lower pitch voice that's lower than the other three main characters, that's got this confident sense to her and a sense of uh, regality, which... It's kind of an indication that she does come from a, a rich background, which we find out near the end is true. Um, it's distinct enough and 
fits the arc of what they're going for and that she's much more, I, I suppose, uh, like uh, more reliable personality wise. Like I, I would trust her to take care of my kittens on the weekend than uh, compared to the other two, I guess, is the best way to visualize it. Um, now her, her quirk, her gimmick, her problem, as it were, is I don't really know how to cope with that because like, OK, Christina plays it well. You know, she's very good at pulling off the sultry like, obviously coy about it, but being very bad at hiding that she's into it. Because there's this clear the sense of, um, I can't believe you would possibly do that. I, I don't want this at all, dot, dot, dot. Yes, I totally do. I want it that way. Personality to her. It's how it's written in the Japanese. It's what the animation calls for. And she does it well. I'm not a big fan of it, personally, because it... It feels like, you know, this male jack-off fantasy that doesn't entirely... And it's only there for one recurring joke. Like, it gets a little tiring after a while to have the same joke of, oh, ho, darkness is into being dominated by the demons. But I can't fault Christina for that. This is entirely what was written as a trope in the Japanese. And honestly, Christina brought her Ray game on this one. So I want to give her, you know, full praise for doing what she was hired to do well. And I really want to give high props to Megamine, not particularly Erica Mendez, first of all, Megamine, because when she casts her explosion spell, that is when the budget finally catches up. That is when we are at full frame count. I don't care if half of it is CGI. The, the color palette changes. There's artistic direction. There is movement. There's camera shake. There's all those fun things that's missing from it, the animation throughout the rest of it. Thank you, Megamine, for blowing everything up. It was pretty to look at. Erica Mendez's performance is also really distinct because she's supposed to be younger than the other characters. So whereas the other two female characters have more of a didactic voice to them because they have a sense of regality from either being rich or goddesses, Megamine is a little more muddled in her speech pattern. Erica gives her this style of speaking that's really, really younger sounding. Which is good, because that's what she's supposed to be. Like, she's specifically not allowed to drink at certain parts of the show because she's supposed to be younger. And in that sense, you know, Erica pulls off the character pretty well. And you just feel bad for her when she just completely collapses and she's got that fainted, I, I, I did a really good job personality kind of voice to her. So that is why I love Megamine. I love her so much. She, she's like, her appearance is awesome. I like the look of her. I like how she's the least awful of the main characters, and I, I like it when she blows things up. She's just my, the, the best. The best of them all. So she is your she is your best worst girl. That she is. I, I, would, t I would take her with me and pay for the things she blows up. <laughs> Oh man, that's that's gonna suck you dry. Yeah, that will. I would I would gladly spend my hard-earned money on my explosion girl. <laughs> I would I would make a joke, but that explains the three children. <laughs> Fuck you! <laughs> I don't have an insult. That's all I get. You know, it's bad when I don't have a proper insult. I can just throw obscenities. <laughs> I've known Noah Clue long enough to know to hit him where it really hurts. <laughs> Oh, it doesn't hurt. No, it's not that it, it hurts. It's not that it hurts. It's that I can't fire back. <laughs> you know, it, it's you throw. You've thrown me a curveball, no. and then I don't have any ammunition to throw back without being a total asshole myself. Okay, here's a shovel, Noah. Just keep digging. <laughs> Ta yeah, take the shovel, motherfucker. <laughs> Dig it as big and as hard as it gets. Anyways, and here's a shovel for you, Andrew. <laughs> oh, I oh I, I'm sitting on the shovel very comfortably <laughs> while I keep digging it. Would you like to go on, Jamal? 
I'm trying to resist the urge to make a bump and grind joke. Ah, uh, what, what does that? With darkness, at what point do we say that Christina V is no longer voicing darkness? She is darkness. <laughs> I'd prob I'd probably say it's the personality. Like if give it if you see the the anime awards recently. But other than that, she voices this character very well. Darkness's attitude screams. Yeah, not even a straight jacket gonna help this bitch out. <laughs> Darkness as a character is basically your resistance only turns me on even more. She's pretty much GG if you turn it up to one hundred. Ooh. 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 Oh, I mean, there's that whole cage thing. Jamal, Jamal. <laughs> okay, we'll cut that from the episode. The shovel isn't good enough anymore. You need <laughs> yeah. this mechanized. Back home. I'm sorry. Uh, okay, okay, I'm sorry. No. Okay, 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 no. Jamal doesn't need to dig a hole with the shovel. He needs to be hit with the shovel. <laughs> but the question yeah, is, we're turning on each other. Would he like it? <laughs> I, I'm sorry. That whole cage thing. How, tell me, you did not think of that. Anyways, uh, back on track, Jamal. Y- yeah, we'll cut that from the episode. We're not gonna. Uh, cu- we're not cutting that. No, that's too good. <laughs> we're not. We're not. We're not hiding this evidence. No, this evidence stays. I'm just I'd asking rather, you to move I'd, on. I'd rather not have Gigi come after my ass. But anyway, Christina manages to play those two different personalities very well. It's almost kind of disturbing. I mean, like, because I've heard Christina V in the deeper voiced roles, but this one actually fit like I, I don't know any other way to explain it but but I know darkness has some kind of influence on Megumi because Megumi does get a little crazy as time goes on in the episodes and but Erica had Erica handled that very well it's just that well Megumi is best worst go because at least Megumi I can tolerate again darkness Oh, there's no help in her at this point. Let's be honest. That's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, think, think of all the good that she did throughout the show. Think of all the cabbages. <laughs> Look, she ha- here's the thing. Say what you will about darkness. Her intentions, like, are both self-serving, but also noble. Like, she is genuinely trying to be a guardian knight when yes. it comes to it. It's just like, look... Any noble knight, unless you have, like, a pure, like, Samaritan heart of gold, wants some form of compensation or something to go for their troubles. In Darkness's case, as long as she she sees those bruises and she feels that pain and that tingly feeling, then that's gratification enough for her. And frankly, that's admirable. So anyway, back to what I was saying, yeah... These, these two ladies did a pretty good job, because I know Erica Mendez is like, Erica, this is the most distinct I've ever heard of, because Megumin tends to be a little whiny, but that's only because she's been kicked out, kicked out from other parties, and she has nowhere else to turn it. She she does not want to let go of Cosmo's party. I mean, to the point, she manages to put Cosmo in the leg lock at one point. Like, I was like, wow, wow, she's crazy, but at least she has she's doing it for the right reasons, I mean. 
the fact that she identifies with Aqua kind of scares me. See, but... you're, you're you're acting like Megamead is somehow more justified. Say what you will. Darkness is just kinky. Megamead's <laughs> destroying public property. Somehow that's more noble? No, I didn't say it was more noble. God, no. I, I'm just playing devil's advocate right now. <laughs> no, that. Oh, I mean, okay, her I mean, okay, to be okay, to be fair, okay, to be fair, she didn't know anyone lived in that house. <laughs> Which you would think would be something uh, you, would, uh, like, you, you would knock on the door and make sure ahead of time. That's what, uh, even Cosmo said himself he shouldn't realize somebody could be living there. <laughs> I mean, yo, before you start ripping up the railroad tracks, you want to make sure that no trains are actually coming down this track. (laughs) Exactly. Look, in the fantasy world, not every single empty castle is owned by Nicolas Cage, okay? You have to check first. (laughs) Hello, darkness, my old friend, indeed. Darkness! Darkness is spreading! Anyway, these two ladies did a very good job, I mean... There's something else I want to say, but I'll say that with the next set of characters. I will start this section off with Megamine and say, Erica Mendez playing a Chuni is delightful. I love her stupid Chuni ass <laughs> being as extra oh and stupid God. as possible. I forgot and about the she... eye patch. <laughs> oh yeah, you forgot? Yeah, you I forgot, forgot the fucking eye patch. This, this actually is. She is. What's her name from Love Chidobio and Other Delusions? I was thinking that too, Rika. She she's literally like introduced as this shooty. She's got the eye patch of power, and they're like, "What's with the eye patch?" Oh, it's just for show. And then he pulls on it and just fucking smacks her with it. Like, (laughs) oh, you you're rude. But honestly, like she has these like, it's like. I wouldn't even say she's bratty. She just sounds like an immature child who is just really into, like, her toys. Like, she really, really wants to play with the exploding toy. No, no. She doesn't She doesn't want the other things, like Fireball or, like, the Arc Fire. No, she wants the big toy and nothing else will do. Nothing else. I only want this toy. Don't give me that weak ass shit. No, I want the biggest, <laughs> the bestest, and the baddest thing in the motherfucking room, and that's all I'm gonna work with. But you'll be so exhausted. I don't care. I want it. <laughs> and she does. But yeah, it's just she is this immature child that has some very funny reactions and is probably like one of the best characters that plays off of like everybody else in the show like anytime you put Megamine in a a situation with any of the other three characters it is a ton of fun because she just works off of all of them greatly and I think Erica Mendez really nails like all of these extravagant chants to a T they're very goofy and extra but she plays them so strongly and with such conviction that's really good and while I won't say every explosion is top tier when she gets those explosion sounds she gets them good like there's a couple of them in there where it's like ooh, that's a good explosion and there's a point where they're literally competing over which explosion is really good he her and kazuma do this so much that he basically starts realizing okay that's a pretty okay one that's a little so-so and he's like that that's a good explosion that's the good shit (laughs) 
I have to ask, what was the the way that was written uh, in English? Was that pretty much the same in Japanese? Where he his response were as oh, the the one yesterday had more of a boosh than that one. that that was probably not exactly, but pretty much a similar thing of him just trying to compare the two. It was like, oh yeah, that sounds pretty good. Also, another thing, I adore the little when she falls over and she does these little bleh. She does these little blit sounds whenever she, like, flops over several times. And it's so funny, and it's so cute. And it's also, like, she sounds, like, more distinctly tired whenever she, like, falls over. Like, you can hear it. Like, she sounds drained. Like, uh, I've exhausted my magic. I cannot get up. And at some point, it's, like, it's not even surprising anymore. Cosmo just gets so used to it. It's like, hey, you need a ride back? And she's just like, yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I mean, that's almost I, admirable, isn't it? Like, can you imagine being that devoted to your craft that you would essentially drain yourself down to level zero every time? Uh, it's got to be terrible, but I actually really like the relationship she has with, like, Kazuma. I think they're a very fun duo, and just seeing them chant together, it, it's just, they're such a great combination, those two. And Erica Mendez is a ton of fun as Megamine, and you can definitely tell she's having a f fun doing all these goofy noises, these extravagant Chunibyo chants, and just these little tiny bleps that she is adorable, goofy, and extra as fuck, and she's a ton of fun. <laughs> Extra and fun. then, and even then, as far as performance goes, in my mind, nothing in this dub tops. And I know Darkness probably wishes she could be topped, oh. but but even then, don't don't give her she comes. <laughs> I will give this crazy hoe as much gratification as she deserves. And I will say that I'm going to be real with you. I'm going to, since you brought up Gigi earlier, Gigi has once mentioned before, she has mentioned that sometimes a dub performance can change your opinion of a character that you did not care for in the Japanese. I, wa guess. I watched this show in Japanese. I did not really care for Darkness. I did not really like her that much. And I thought her stick got very annoying and very old. And here's the thing. In English, her stick doesn't actually really change. It's the same thing where she is just, she wants to be hurt, she wants to get off to this stuff, and she's psycho crazy. That doesn't really change. What does change is how I understand the delivery of it. And Christina Fee's delivery as Darkness is perfect. It is sultry, sexy, suave, but also noble and knightly too. She like she has those moments where she is very earnest and she is very serious and stern and like the deepest voice of the cast. But when she gets really into it, when she gets really excited and she gets really into this, that's when she starts going crazy. And the things she gets to say in the show are is, like, the funniest, crudest, and most R-rated shit in the show. So, some of my favorites include, you wish to defile me, don't you? I can feel his filthy eyes on me, hungry, wanting. 
I hear the eyes of a degenerate one who wants to make a sex slave of me. And to break this foul curse, I will have to submit my body to all manner of pornographic acts over and over again. You may dominate my body if you wish, but you will not dominate my heart. And, and that is one of many. Let's see. I think I have a couple of these. It's, they're watching me. Rough uncouth men are looking at my bare skin and getting aroused. It's shameful. Filthy. <laughs> Glorious. <laughs> I mean, her life would be so much easier if she would stop lying to herself. <laughs> Here's a, also like, darkness is, very, I know Christina V is capable of doing a deeper, more sultry voice because of Tales of Berseria, but I really do not usually get to hear her do this kind of voice. Usually it's a lot like lighter and cuter and more like anime girl moe. So to hear her play like sultry and stern and then letting that facade crack and get her more into that crazy wild sexual manicness like there is so much to the voice that Christina V gives this character and anytime she says anything erotic or crazy with a capital C I have I am entertained the entire time like i was not sure what i was expecting but i will say like i really genuinely did not care for darkness as a character in the japanese christina v's performance is so good so perfect and so goddamn entertaining that i genuinely think like darkness is like one of the more entertaining characters in this show she is like a crazy and a bad girl but <laughs> i admire that she is so open to the things she wants and i respect that and you know what who am i to deny somebody who knows what they want and when they want to get off to do what they gotta do and i'm not going to lie as sort of messed up and weird as the scene in the bathhouse was oh my god don't, don't even <laughs> yeah i'm not gonna lie in the english version it actually did sound kind of hot <laughs> i'm i'm not gonna lie christina christina vs darkness actually sounds really hot <laughs> Like, it, she is hilarious. She is, like, unique. She has such diversity to her range, and she also sounds really fucking hot, okay? So, you're talking about, just theorizing here, the persona of kind of um, shy about the situation going on, or flustered she, about it? Kind of flustered, but it's like... Very much like I look. It's a very dubious fucking scene. Yeah. And it's a little weird. It it was very weird, and it is kind of fucking weird and messed up. That being said, like the show's not shy away from like weird sexual stuff. Episode nine is just what it takes it to the M teeth. I'm just gonna say, all in all, that being said, darkness. I did not care for Japanese, but Christina V as darkness is so goddamn entertaining and so fucking perfect as this character that she really is like fantastic and like the best performance in this stuff period to me wow so yep erica mendez and christina v as megami and darkness were a ton of fun and now it's time to talk about 
our two favorite characters in the show. Warm up that soapbox, Andrew. <laughs> oh boy, this one's going to be a fun conversation. Let's talk about the water goddess herself, Aqua, and the otaku shut him, shut in, neat turned hero, so to speak, Kazuma Sato. These are our main two characters of the show, and they carry a lot of the comedy and conflicts, so to speak, of the show. And playing these two characters, playing the role of Aqua is Faye Mata, and playing the role of Kazuma Sato is Arnie Pantoja. I'm not sure how you say it. I thought it was Pantoja. Is it Pantoya? No I'm pretty idea. sure it's Pantoya. From, from the, you from know the what? That makes a lot of sense. Okay, I, I haven't actually watched the videos where he pronounces his name. Is it Arnie Pantoya? Okay. Faye Mata, you'll have heard as such characters as Rin Hoshizora in Love Live, Ryoko Narusawa from Occultic Nine, Lily Hoshina from Be the Beginning, and the Rider of Black, aka Best Boy Astolfo. In Fate Apocrypha. As for Arne Pantoa, uh, you'll have heard as such characters as Esaku Noguchi from March Comes In Like a Lion, Watchdog Man from One Punch Man, Damien from Resident Evil Vendetta, and Pegasus Tenma from Saint Seiya, The Lost Canvas. Jet, would you like to start us okay, off? Okay, um... I'll start with Fame with Fame Mata's Aqua. Uh, so I've really enjoyed been enjoying a lot of Fame Mata's work over the last year or so. And uh, this one is definitely no exception as uh, like with a lot of the main cast, you can really tell she's having a lot of fun with this. Uh, as we've uh, no doubt established already, Aqua is pretty much the worst from her overly inflated ego to the way she constantly laughs at everyone else's misfortunes. And uh, Faye plays up this attitude really well, and she had me completely convinced that Aqua buys into her own hype at pretty much all times. Uh, which, much like Christina V's Darkness, is a very necessary component in making this character both tolerable and funny. And, uh, I, like, and I definitely liked a lot of her delivery. Uh, unfortunately, I do think that Faye's uh, performance is like maybe slightly hampered by the fact that she doesn't get a whole lot of like really notable one-liners for how like much of a presence she is in the show. Uh, but she works with what she has pretty well, and uh, the way she handled that like whole bit in, in particular, where they're like in the lake, where they're doing that lake quest, and she's like literally begging the others to save her from a bunch of giant sea monsters, was really funny. <laughs> and uh, her delivery on that was definitely like some of the funniest stuff in the show for me. And I really had a lot of fun with that one. Uh, as for uh, Artie Pantoya, uh, I actually am somewhat familiar with him, having been one of the three people who actually watched it in a lost canvas. And, uh, and as we've already established, he was the lead in that show. Uh, unfortunately, I wasn't, like, super impressed with him in that one, since the delivery came off as uh, a little awkward for me there. And uh, there were some other performances in that ensemble that it stuck out to me a little bit more. Uh, but uh, he's definitely a lot better here, and I really enjoyed his Cosma. Uh, like Aqua, Cosma is pretty much the worst, and while the show is slightly more sympathetic towards him, because of course it is, it still recognizes that he's utter trash, and Arnie is really good at playing up Kazuma as a sweet comeback when he needs to. And unlike Faye Malda, he actually does get a lot of really good one-liners, like okay, like that whole bit where Kazuma learns he can use his thief skills to steal underwear, and he dishes out lines like, I'm feeding a steal. 
like I like if I wanted to talk about the entire like things I loved about the the writing in the dub of this, almost every one of those things of dialogue is either uh it's either darkness or it's Kazuma. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, though, uh, Kazuma is also, you know, just the kind of guy who is very much done with everything, and he just, you know, he's a, all he wants to do is just go home and take a nap, and Artie is equally impressed by getting across his constant frustrations and all the other party members, and well, I can't really say I sympathize with the guy, since again, he's, he's, he's pretty much trash. Uh, I can at least kind of, you know, I can understand his woes a little bit. Uh, however, while Faye Mata and Artie Pantoja were both very solid in their roles, the thing that really stuck out to me was the chemistry between their performances. As we've already established many times, uh, Kazuma and Aqua are both pretty terrible people, so watching them both, so watching them both bounce their awfulness off of each other was pretty entertaining. And uh, Arnie and Faye's performances definitely managed to make a lot of their interactions feel as though the two were actually in the same booth working off of each other, uh, which was uh, definitely a big plus for me. Again, I feel like this would have been, this would have been, like, perfect if Aqua had, like, maybe slightly funnier lines to work with. Uh, but we got to like both of these performances a lot, and they definitely did a lot to make me both enjoy and hate these characters. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hard task to walk. Noah? Yeah. The- it's your it's your turn to rip to rip and tear into these two. It's not fair. It's really not fair because this is dub talk where we we're supposed to be sticking to the dub we're supposed to be focusing on voice acting strengths versus japanese or just all by okay okay i'll tell you what i'll tell you what you can start off by talking about the performances first and then i will give you a couple of minutes to talk about the characters well i was gonna do that anyway but thank you for permission god so <laughs> somebody somebody has to keep control of your leash oh no 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 that that is not you sir no 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 you you don't have the balls for that so this is uh okay yeah so Kanasuba is um like uh like andrew said at the beginning of this it's supposed to be um an isekai show that kind of codified some of the tropes when it comes to um, you want to go to a fantasy world because you're supposed to be freer and have more opportunities than the one that you currently came from. The two characters of Aqua and Kazuma kind of represent the, the people who feel like they're owed the good life and are very baffled by the fact that, no, you're not owed it. You have to actually work for it. And in doing that, like Jet said, it's very hard. It's very possible to try to like and hate these characters at the same time. Like that seems to be the end goal that they're going for. Aqua's performance by Faye is very, very, um, it's ethereal at first. Um, it's light, it's didactic. Um, she's got this pattern as, um, um, what's the way I word is here? I wrote it down as she covers a wide range of emotions where she's very confident in her persona when she's, uh, she feels very full of herself, but then she gets very deadpan when she's frazzled that is all without breaking character, in all of those ways that she portrays herself, she's still the same Aqua, which is really impressive. Like, sometimes voice actors have to almost change personalities to get a different reaction. Even if the voice is the same, the personality doesn't carry through. So I want to give a lot of praise for Faye on this one. 
especially because I don't particularly like this character, but it's the kind of character who you don't like that it's okay not to because they don't really do too much wrong. And I know that you're going to argue with me on this. Like, what? She, like, Aqua did everything wrong. No, 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 no. The one thing that Aqua did the worst wrong is being named Aqua. Like, for God's sakes, people, you have a water goddess and you and all the names of the millions of names you could have named her you named her aqua for god's sakes like what's next like that's like naming a digimon character who's got the power of light hikari why would you do something that lazy champions it's kind of like naming a it's kind of like naming a character who's red ruby that's another that's another lazy one and it's just the, the laziest thing but honestly that was just something that bugged me that i'm like okay fine let, let them have that but i, I really do want to give Faya props here because i don't dislike the character from her performance she doesn't make aqua bitchy and i i know that yes that, like there's some sense of like entitledness stuck up snobbiness to her but i've heard much worse like there are rich girl archetypes in anime that when they're voice acted they're made to sound very unlikable like we can go back to um digimon like let's actually go back to digimon mimi's voice actress from the first season was given an overly uh unlikable uh voice even if her personality wasn't entirely like that that's just the way that her english voice actress was directed to voice act and we don't get that in this show. So I want to give props to that. Even though I don't like the character entirely, I don't dislike the acting. It's entirely from what happens in the show. So with that being said, the real problem with the show, the real problem with it is that we have a main character in the form of Kazuma. And yes, Arnie does a really great job. His uh, comedic timing is really good. He has a lot of really good... Not just one-liners, but really uh, well-inserted lines where it's a deadpan read compared to the more serious uh, tone that they were going for right before that. So it completely undermines the tone that they were originally going for, which makes it even funnier. And throughout the whole thing, he doesn't really... Um, he doesn't stay the same person. He, he has like a lower low key register at the beginning before he dies. And even in the afterworld, he's, he's still got sort of this frazzled personality. But as the show goes on, he gets progressively more crazy, more sinister, more pent up in the crappy world that he's left in. And Arnie really portrays that by getting more and more frazzled throughout the whole thing. So I wanted to give him props on that. The thing I just dislike about it, and this is entirely with the writing... And I don't know if this was this bad in the Japanese, but his insults to the female characters get really misogynistic, like, throughout the entire... It gets even worse as the show goes on. And I could buy some of the tropes of, sure, this is a fantasy world where we don't have to be super nice to each other. And, yes, we're all kind of dumbasses, so we could have, like, good-natured ribbing with each other, like... Uh, that one podcast that talks about English dubs, they do that to each other sometimes. But this goes beyond that. This goes well beyond that into the level of calling names that you wouldn't call to someone who you considered a friend. Which is why I don't buy the serious, dramatic parts of the show where he gets teary-eyed about being separated from the characters. Like, I don't buy that. Or where, like, scenes where he's, like, bonding with darkness about uh, her... Uh, liking to be part of this party because no one else would accept her like none of that i don't quite buy just because of the mean natured spirit of the characters reacting to each other but again nothing to do with the actual dub i think that was actually how it was in the japanese they just translated it a little too well into english 
I've ranted a long time. I'm going to go cast an explosion spell over in uh, California. Actually, I have one more question, and please don't do that. They're having enough drought as it is. Though, actually, I think they're actually getting some rain in decently, so good on them. I was going to say, it, it, when it rains in California, it pours. It Man, pours. it pours. Much like Aqua. But I have a genuine question. <laughs> I have a genuine question. Also, uh, sorry, I saw the opportunity and I took it. I have an honest-to-God question I want to yes, ask you, Noah, Because this is something I'm genuinely curious about. Would you rather have a show with somebody like Kazuma who is an asshole and acts like an asshole and the show treats him like an asshole and he gets his comeuppance? Or would you like a show with the most cookie-cutter, vanilla, good guy, everybody loves him for being so nice he's every girl loves him for being so nice and wonderful and vanilla and he also happens to own slaves you're kind of asking me to choose between do i want to stick my tongue in a light socket <laughs> or do i want to jump off a cliff without a parachute <laughs> and in neither of the okay if i had to choose between the two and I know this is the answer you're looking for, but I would obviously go with the, I want the show to treat him like the piece of shit that he is. But I don't like shows where that attitude is unchallenged and does not induce some sort of change throughout the show. Because he's very clearly the same uh, entitled asshole that he was at the beginning of the show at the end. And that is what bugs me so much. All I'm gonna say is I'm not really curious what you what you would think if you ever watched ReZero if the dub was ever put online. <clears throat> but that that's that's neither here or there. Yeah, we, we will we will cover that sooner or later as soon as that is legally streaming its entirety. Yes. So yeah. Uh, speaking of legal, I think we should let Jamal take the microphone now. All right. You might want to clear the floor, ladies and gentlemen. Explosion. The floor's pretty clear. <sighs> Aqua. See, when I first watched this show, I thought she was just going to be dumb and annoying throughout the show. And she, for the most part, she pretty much is dumb and annoying. But over the last few episodes, she is pretty much had total disregard for human life. I mean, how do I loathe thee? Let me count the ways. Uh, she managed to cause a flood that destroyed property, even though Cosmo asked for it at one point. She tried to burn his vegetables. She blocked the spirits from entering the graveyard, causing them to possess dolls in the house. Uh, let's see. You're gonna have to help me out here, because I know there's a lot more shit she did. Okay, um... Uh, the whole thing about the haunted house being because of I, something that she I, did off-screen? I, I said that he already. Did. He said they possessed the dolls. Uh, let's see. What else did she do? What else did she do? Um, okay, she she was willing to bail uh, out actually, when Cosimo got arrested, and just let him go. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, there was also uh, yeah, there's also like her all her constant death threats against Wiz for some reason. Yeah, she, and then there's the fact that she has to point out this hoity-toity attitude. Like she's the aura of a spoiled princess trying to use her goddess status just to get Cosmo to do shit, just to make a what, beg her feet? Just so she'll do something? And not only that, she's talking about like she wants to go back home, but she ain't willing to do nothing. <laughs> she just on her lazy ass learning party tricks. 
just sleeping, eating, spending all their money, constantly causing property damage. Not only that, she tried to she she tried to send she tried to make the Wiz disappear. She bullied Eris. Uh, let's see. Oh, she had no good for Cosmo when they first met me. Jesus Christ, she even laughed at his pain, like, over how he died. Which, by the way, that was probably... That was probably caused by a lot of coffee, because... Anyway. No, no. Also, can we talk about the fact that how he dies is literally... He doesn't get hit by a truck. He dies from the shock of thinking... He got hit by a truck, but it was a tractor. Uh, 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 yes, I'm gonna. Okay, so it's pretty much That's yeah. You would have died. It wouldn't matter if you died anyway. That little boy would have been just fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna. Was, I'm okay, gonna okay, break okay, that okay, up. You know, you know, as I say that, I now realize there was a missed opportunity. And I'm not giving. And I'm not. Giving, and I'm not giving Alcoy British Daddy accent. <laughs> okay. God damn it. No! You stop that. Mm-mm. I'm gonna bring that up, Cosmo. But yeah, Aqua, well, the latter half of the show, she comes off as such a bitch. It's like, it's, it kind of annoyed me to the sense I actually wanted to slap her. Like, I can understand oh, why Cosmo did what he did. No, because I don't, I don't like that kind of attitude. Like, you, you, know, you want yeah. you want to do something for yourself, that's fine. Somebody asks you for help, or you want to do something so you can get out of this situation, at least try to change a little. You don't have to change a lot, just a little. And then not only that, you you sent a guy, you made a guy become a heel and just pretty much tossed him aside like trash. That really pissed me the fuck off. Well, the only just I'm not going to argue with you about like her I mean, I personality mean, isn't good. The thing she was I, dragged into this world against her will, so she kind of gets a little bit of leeway in terms of she'd never asked yeah, for she, this. Yeah, she gets dragged in. Yeah, she gets dragged into the world, but you know that was kind of poetic justice at that point because you know like she often, you're supposed to. You're supposed to do your job. Like, you're supposed to be a goddess. Like, oh, I'm grabbing my fucking popcorn. Have you no idea? Okay, okay. Have you not read any Greek mythology? If we know anything, deities are assholes. Every single one. Yes, yeah. I know. Zeus. Zeus, Athena, Hera, Apollo, Ares. Every single one of them is is flawed individual. And I, I like there is not a single hole on planet Earth that Zeus has not put his penis in. <laughs> Very much. Okay, okay. Let, let, let's not make this religious talk. The point is, okay. <laughs> that's not religious. <laughs> we apologize to all the devout followers of Zeus who, that still who exist in the there. year 2019 actively pursues worship of <laughs> Zeus as a god. It is literally defined on Wikipedia as a dead religion. No followers still exist on planet Earth. I'm down to restart the religion of Zeus. <laughs> Why would you do okay. that? No, no, okay, no, no, guys, no. guys, why the clock here? Why the clock? Jesus Christ. All right, all right. No, no religion, no religion, a bitch. Remember? <laughs> point is, Aqua's a bitch. She fails to do a job. And the way Faye kind of portrays her, like, it was kind of impressive. Like, she has to deal with all these changes in her personality, all these one-liners and so I mean... It's like she's kind of too in the scenery a bit. Like, I mean, I'm not too, I'm not too familiar with her other than Love Life, Occultic Night. I, I haven't seen Fade Apocrypha, but Jamal, you it, know what you would know her from? JoJo. 
Yeah, you could. Oh God. <laughs> I talk about Aqua being the bitch, but Jesus fucking Christ, man. <sighs> anyway, anyway, Fade Mana, you like her, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, did probably <laughs> still talk about Cosmic 2, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah we'll, we get, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. I'm just trying to calm down a little bit. But yeah, Faye did a pretty good job playing all these changes very well. I know she really dearly likes Aqua to the point I found out she went to Japan recently, caught the caught Kondo Super exhibit on the last day it was open. Nice. Damn. That show is making yeah. a lot of bank over there, isn't it? Yeah, so you can so you can tell she's pretty much pouring her heart as much into this character as she can. Now, Cosmo, on the other hand, I mean, yeah, he's tired of this shit. Like, I mean, he he didn't ask for this. Like, at, at least in the first half, he didn't ask for this. And then, like, at some point, he just kind of hit his breaking point because you you gotta keep in mind he has to deal with a a fuck. A masochist, a moron, and a mischief, mischievous magician who's only good for one thing. <laughs> Don't but hurt you know your what? tongue. Yes, 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 yes. But I think Adi manages to keep it very well. And I know some, to some people Adi can be like hit or miss because, you know, it's not a voice you hear often, but I think he manages to play play up the, his one-liners very well. And like, the chemistry between the two characters... I mean, really, there is no chemistry. Like you said, it's kind of like it's always sunny. Like, you know, you don't want them to succeed, you know. But they're just going to have fun anyway, even if they end up in depth. So what? Although I am looking forward to season two. Uh, I'm uploading it to the chat right now. There's one scene I want to see Faye Minded too. <laughs> Look, all, season two is going to be fun, and I really hope that dub happens. Make it happen, Crunchyroll. <clears throat> Yeah, bonus points if she clucks at that scene. Yeah. Oh, that. <laughs> <laughs> the face that launched a thousand memes. What kind of clucking? Are we talking like Don Bennett in Zombieland Saga clucking, or are we talking Dan Green in that show that... <laughs> I don't... I I haven't seen that show Dan Green said, but yeah. I guess a combination of the two. <laughs> look, you want to you you want to hear uh, Yugi Moto talk about how big his cock is? <laughs> look it up. <laughs> let Let me guess. You saw an opportunity and decided to take it. Look, I mean it. I wasn't going to let that one stand stiff. Okay. <laughs> oh, good God. Anyway, I, I think I'm pretty much done. These these two are very <laughs> solid. And kind Pyro of, kind of convinced me this dub is a whole. As a matter of fact, the the ghosts. Let alone, I just want I just let, want to see them let, to choose some Christmas ham, you know. Okay, let's put it that way. All right, I, let's save that more for final thoughts. As for me, I will start with uh, Faye Mata as Aqua. Give me that popcorn. Uh, I okay. Here's your popcorn. I will say that it took me a little bit to get into it, but once she gets going, she gets going. She's got. All of the different sides of Aqua Down. She's got the good shitty laugh. She's got that eccentric. She's very eccentric. She's theatrical. She's goofy. She's silly. She's bratty. She's bitchy. She's everything and then some. She's got these good little battle. Like the one moment where it's like I can tell she's really good at this part is when she's like. She's doing the very dramatic, uh, 
battle cry of God's blow doing the cool shonen scream. And then when it fails, she's like, up close like this, you froggies are pretty cute. And she's just that very, <laughs> just that cutesy delivery is just so perfect. And then she just gets swallowed. And like, there's a lot of different sides to Aqua. And like, she, like, there are no depths to which she will not sink into that, into that ocean. But God, Feymata, like when she gets really into it, She's having the time of her life, and it really shows. And I have so much fun. Also, like, one of my favorite parts is, like, when she finally gets broken and she's just in the cage. And everybody's <laughs> everybody's genuinely worried about her. Like, hey, hey, Aqua, buddy, you gotta be okay. It's like, I'm never going to be okay. This, this is, is my, my life home. now. Yeah, this is where all I am. This is where I belong. And just the bro, how broken she sounds, and like when she gets drunk and upset, but then she just gets angry at the at the spirits, and then she's like, "Nature's beauty," and then she's just like, "Ah, oh, no." It's just, oh, oh, this is a tour de force of everything. <laughs> I'm not even gonna say like this is. I will say this. I think this is somehow a crazier Faye Mata performance than her character in Kakegurui. And that's pretty crazy in and of itself. Oh, I thought he was going to say it's crazy than JoJo. So believe me, that was crazy. Okay, nothing's ever going to top that <laughs> in terms of crazy. That's like Juji Ito Tomie crazy. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was... It's close. But yeah, no. Faye Mata's Aqua, ton of fun. Arnie... How do you say it? Pantoa? Pantoya. Pan Pento Thank you. Arnie Pantoya. Arnie Pantoya. Arnie Pantoya. Arnie Pantoya is a very, very fresh face. Well, actually, he's not even that fresh. He just has not shown up in a lot of bigger stuff as of late. As far as we're concerned, Kazuma Sato is a breakout role for Arnie Pantoya. And I gotta say... If this is the thing that's gonna put him on the map, then that's pretty well deserved because Cosmo Sato is a very dynamic performance to play. And considering how much the Japanese Seiyu gets to do in the Japanese, that's not an easy act to follow either. And I gotta say, as this show moves along, Arnie Pantoya really gets to show his shit. Because he's pretty good at this deadpan comedic timing in the show. And then he, like, he plays the straight man to a lot of goofy characters. But then when he, when you feel him break and go down to their level as he kind of contorts and becomes this evil cartoon character of a creepy guy who's dealing with a bunch of shitty people as well and trying to keep everything going, you get to see him go buck wild. And it's just like every single line of dialogue that he gets to deliver when it comes to interacting with Aqua, Megamine, and Darkness is absolutely insane. And some of the things he gets to say, he gets to say some of the funniest shit in this dub before. My personal favorite is, oh god, every woman in here looks like they want to chop my balls off. <laughs> I need my balls. 
I'm so glad. Oh, yes, that was. I said I said I forgot to bring up. Can we talk about how much bad luck this guy has? Like to the point that Wish trusted him when at the end episode ten when they had to teleport that exploding Corona. Mm-hmm. Mm. Wait, exploding. Then, oh, oh, his luck is so garbage, and he does like on one hand you're like, oh, you feel bad for him. On the other hand, no, he totally had the shit coming. And, 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 like, and, like, and the like, funny thing about him, funny thing about his bad luck is that, like, according to his stats, he's supposed to have back luck. <laughs> he's supposed to have back yeah. luck. It's really yeah, good luck is doesn't count for shit around here if that's the actual results of having good luck. Uh, Again, I saw that scene coming and not coming at the same time. You were like, well, oh, like how, how is this going to play out? Like, how, uh, Is it going to get transported to fairy world? Is he going to get arrested by the fairies? Like, well, what's going to happen? But but for real, uh, Arnie was an act to follow. Was, like, he, he had a very, like, his role was very prevalent in the Japanese. It was very standout to me. And even then, that's a tough cla- act to follow. But even then, Arnie really gets to show all different crazy comedic sides to Kazuma as a character. And by the end, I was sold on him completely. And I gotta say, this is something that this you deserve to be on the map. And I cannot wait to see what kind of work you've got in store for you, my friend. I hope to hear you and more things. Faye and Arnie, crazy, terrible characters wonderful, delightfully goofy performances. And I had a ton of fun listening to both. And now it's time for final thoughts. Jet. So Kodosuba is a show that I've seen talked up a lot as a must-see anime comedy. And uh, having now actually seen it, I guess, uh, I can understand why. Uh, It's a pretty solid parody of Isekai tropes. And in an era where you literally can't go through a new season of anime without at least one or two new ones waiting in the wings... It definitely is a breath of uh, fresh air, and it certainly helps that it's at least self-aware enough to recognize how awful its two leads are, which uh, definitely helps a lot with the comedy. As uh, far as the dub goes, it's a very solid experience, and uh, you can really feel all the passion the main cats had for the show, and there was really a moment where it felt like the actors weren't having a lot of fun with the material. Uh, sadly, like I said before, the dub script was kind of a little underwhelming for me in the comedy department for like the first couple of episodes. Uh, which kind of put this dub of being like just so it put this dub short of being just perfect for me. Uh, but if you're looking to watch this show in English, this dub will definitely look you fine. I mean, this dub will definitely do you fine. And uh, even though I nitpicked the script a little bit, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't really looking forward to the dub for season two. So, Crunchyroll, get on that. Noah. So now you know my thoughts on the the main characters, but as far as the dub itself, there's one thing that we did not talk about that I think probably best exemplifies my positive portra- my positive impressions of the dub overall. Uh, whenever there's an eye catch, the characters always shout out the title of the show, Konosuba, and they never say it the same way. They always say it in the tone matching of the scene that just came before it. If they're sitting around scheming, the response is like a very scheming, like, Konosuba. If they're in the middle of a battle scene where they're about to die, they shout out, Konosuba! And if they're in a sex scene, which is not actually a dream, then it's a Konosuba. And in that sense, they really run the gambit of personality traits and voices that lean more towards the comedy than the serious parts. I don't buy any of the serious parts of this dub or the show itself at all. They don't earn that. 
but that is not like that's a small thing that they try to throw in to get a little extra heartstrings pulled. But when they do go for laughs, when they go for goofy, when they go for fun, this show is in prime form. As long as you can look past the sort of awful light choices or portray or the way that they treat each other, this show has a lot of fun moments and it. it's breezy and it's easy to get through. I probably watched this over the span of a couple of days. And I want to give high props to the English dub actors because they really personified the tropes and personalities as well as anyone could have asked them to do it while also sounding like they're having fun at the same time. Bit parts were performed very well. Direction and script writing were what we kind of expected for an adaptation of this in English. And there's really not a whole lot of objectionable content when it comes to if you're not familiar with the isekai genre in general like if you haven't seen sword art online or i got reincarnated on my smartphone or any other one of the number of cookie cutter isekai shows you've seen out there this is a nice bit of diversion away from that main kind of show it's not a subversion i want to make that clear it doesn't actually commentate on the genre itself but it is goofy enough in a farcical manner that I can recommend it if you're looking for something light and breezy to spend your time with. All right, Jamal. So, yeah, going into this, I mean, I knew Connoisseur was kind of big for a little while, but, man, getting this to get dubbed was like getting teeth pulled just to get it done, because I will admit I did have a personal bias going into it, because when I heard it was getting dubbed, I immediately thought, Finally, Funimation's getting this from the back catalog. And then it was California. I was like, okay, I mean, you know what? Let me wait and see. And we'll see how it turns out. It turned out very well. I mean, I know some people have kind of issues with the script, but I think really it's more about the strength of the show than the script itself. Because if you if you try to like match or exceed what the show has to offer, something will get lost in translation very easily. Especially with California dubs. Let's put it that way. The strength of the actors themselves, because I know... <laughs> uh, again, some of, these, some of these actors I have heard of before, some of these I haven't, so going into that, I wasn't too sure how it would react. I must say, it kind of... Subvert my expectations. Like I know it's a, it's an isekai show, but to me it's kind of a parody of the isekai and the RPG tropes. Because other than one episode, we don't see the pause screen again until maybe next season. <laughs> but I like what I saw. And like I'm really waiting to see season two because you know I just want to see what more the characters have to offer. I mean. Especially for the main four, Artie, Faye, Christina, Erica. Especially Faye Marta, because Jesus Christ, like... Yeah, She man, is like, Jesus Christ, that is true. She's the, you know, she she makes uh, water oh, out of wine. The, uh, mm. God damn it. Oh, I'll right to that. I will admit, I didn't mention this, but there was a funny scene she had where she tried to exercise those demons, you know, like, Stone, you're dead! Stone, you're dead! Stone, you're dead! Nature's beauty! Stone, you're dead! But... It, it, was, it was awesome, and again, comedy's my thing, and I really want to know what more they have to bring to the table. Please, for the love of God, dub season two pretty soon. Don't make us wait another three years. I mean... Also, if you get the movie, please dub that too. Okay, thanks. Bye. You mean the one that hasn't even come out yet? 
The one that hasn't come out yet, but that has that doesn't mean I still can't. Yes, want Crunchyroll, it. please dub the movie that's not available anywhere yet. Thank you. Uh, okay. Smart ass uh, point I'm making. Alright, you good, Jamal? I'm I'm pretty much fed to this point. Just like I spent all me. my all right. I was, gonna, I was gonna say I spent all my errors, but thank you, though. You're welcome. Okay. So revisiting the show three years later, now that the genre of Isekai has sort of I put the word evolved in air quotes, like very strong air quotes. Because evolved sort of implies that the genre got better. Mm. I wouldn't really say it got better. I'd actually argue the genre as a whole, as far as some of the anime we're getting, has gotten way weirder and creepier in a lot of ways. So revisiting, like, Konosuba specifically, because it was one of the things that sort of made it a bigger thing in anime, is sort of surreal in hindsight. But I can kind of appreciate a goofy, zany comedy where the main character is an asshole and the show is aware that he's an asshole and loves to shit on him for being an asshole. And I respect that. This is basically, as I said, It's Always Sunny, the isekai anime. And this is a cast of very, like, zany, crazy, terrible people all kind of, like, interacting with each other and the comedy and strange situations that leads to and it's a ton of fun watching it even now but going through watching it with a fresh eye with a brand new dub cast all in all like i'm not gonna say it's like my favorite work of alex von david's nor is it like my favorite cali work of recently but it's a very strong comedy dub and it's a ton of fun and a lot of the performances for these characters were very demanding and i'd say for the most part, they met my expectations pretty damn well. I had a ton of fun. I had a big, dumb smirk watching through this dub again. A lot of the things that these characters say, a lot of the ways they act, a lot of things that happen. It's not a perfect show, it's not a perfect dub, but it's a ton of fun. And as far as, like, isekai comedies go, this is still plenty of fun and very enjoyable. And I would still personally recommend Konosuba... Even today, to just, whether you like it or not, it's at least worth giving it a shot. And that's more than I can say for some of the other shows that have come out in the past year or two. Especially the ones that like to condone slavery. Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna cut it. That's fucking weird. Ugh. It's not, I mean, Isekai has always been about, like, going to a place where you're free to be who you could never be in the real world. And, you know, we, we don't really condone the act of owning people in this world, but fantasy world, sure, why not? So, I... I understand it's a loophole to make I'm, it okay, I, but it still feels gross, and I'm not going to go on that any further. Right, right. I really don't want... I'm just saying that I really don't want to talk about but it. But hopefully we're seeing now... We, we've seen the worst of it. Hopefully we'll see, like, it'll come around, and we'll start seeing shows that are about... Being the best you can be in a foreign setting all over again. No, Noah, Noah, Noah. I'm going to. Noah, I can only. Noah, I can tell you this based off what I, this based off headlines I've seen in the last few days. It's only going to get worse. It's <laughs> only. Going I just to want get to see worse. an isekai that's not said in medieval times. Look at this Those point. Exist. 
At this point, I've discovered that. what I want in Isekai. I want goofy, dumb bullshit or really, like, quirky, obscure ideas. I don't want the edgy... I don't want edgy... I don't want this edgy stuff. I don't want the stuff that's hyper-sexualized. And I don't want the ones that encourage slavery. That does that sound too much to ask for? L- look, probably. No, it's not, okay, but, okay. Yeah. Actually, I don't. I mean, I know exactly what I want in Isekai. I want, like, I want to go back to the nineties where Isekai starring female protagonists. Go back to that. You know what? Yep. Yeah. Can I read something off of Twitter, which you probably have seen before, where people were discussing their unpopular fantasy genre opinions? Uh, yes. Fine gentleman by the name of Y Carps responded. Before it was a codified subgenre, Isekai was about women discovering and empowering themselves in the freedom of a foreign setting, instead of just now, where it's boys traveling to lands without agency th- so they can fuck and kill without consequence. Yep, that's pretty much Isekai. <laughs> and if nothing else, I do appreciate about Konosuba, there is consequence and you don't get what you want. And in that regard, it's still funny to watch this otaku get his shit kicked in. <laughs> Anyways, that's our thoughts on Konosuba and our thoughts on the dub. If you would like to hear more of what we at Dub Talk do, you can subscribe to us on YouTube at the Dub Talk Podcast. Make sure to like, comment, subscribe, and hit that bell, regardless of whether YouTube decides it works or not. You can also follow us on our Twitter, our Tumblr, our Instagram, and our Facebook. No, wait, not our Facebook, our Twitch. I forget the channel we have sometimes. Anyways, as for where you can find us, as for me, you can find me over on Twitter at MangaMan9000 under the name Classy Spartan. You can also find me on the Funimation forums and Funimation discords as a moderator and community manager, and you can hear me on Surreal Resolutions Podcast ONA as a guest. Jet, where can Uh, people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter uh, at Jet Neverland, where I will usually uh, be talking about uh, cartoons or anime or like what have you. Uh, you can also occasionally find me on my blog at Amazing Infinity, where I will sometimes write things. Uh, this season, I'm uh, writing reviews for The Promised Neverland. And uh, and lastly, you can also find me on Podcast OA with Andrew, where I will usually be shooting debris and talking about anime news. All right, Noah? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, at Noah Clue, where I uh, will often discuss about the latest things going on in the world of animation, or just uh, telling you about how wonderful it is to be a father to soon-to-be three children, because uh, you get to come home, and you get to be toppled by children who are so happy to see you every day, even if it breaks your bones in the process. Um, I also have a YouTube channel called Journey Traveler, which I haven't been able to update in a while because of aforementioned being crushed by children. But um, still keep an eye on that for uh, potential things to come in the near future. And Jamal. I'm an assistant editor for the podcast. I have my own channel, Jamstar1. You can find me on Twitter, Jamstar529, where this season I'm tweeting about dubs for Showbitch, Data Live 3, and other stuff I can't talk about yet. I'm also planning to start up a solo podcast at some point, but right now I gotta deal with editing in school first. Mm. And with that, I think we are free to call it a night. Did you tell people where they could watch Konosuba? Oh, that's a good point. If you would like to watch the dub of Konosuba, or if you just want to watch the sub of Konosuba at as well, you can find it over on Crunchyroll 
and Verve. Now, as of the time, currently all 10 episodes of Season 1 have been released in English as well as several other foreign languages. As far as the dub of Season 2, it is currently not yet in production. It doesn't exist. It does not yet exist, though we hope in the coming months it will exist. And if you want to have a second season of Konosuba's dub happen, make sure to let Crunchyroll know that, hey, we would like to see Konosuba Season 2 English dub happen. Please make it happen. Please make it happen. K, thanks, bye. As well as, you know, a couple other dubs they promised to put up, but that's that's for another time. Wait, wait, wait. Anyways. You know, we, we understand fully well that uh, the, dr the floods in California have made things rather difficult. That being said, re regardless, we've said our piece. We've said our soapbox plenty of times. I think it's time we call it tonight. Would you like to end this off on our best explosion? Uh, well, I wish I could. I wrote down the whole uh, quote from the last episode where they like set off the really big explosion. Oh God! No, not did you? No, I, I wish I did, but I didn't. So All I'll right. just say this. Um, Regardless, let, let's just, let's just make up. You know what? Let's try this. Let, let me just make up my own on the spot. Darker than dark, blacker than black. The crimson flames inside my burning soul. Let's forth to the embers to destroy my foe. Let this power burst and flow through me. And to the earth, it beseeches. EXPLOSION! <sighs> Super Shikisekai